Hi all, Neve here. I'm recording this on Friday, July 28th, and I'm going to put it before the episode proper. Um, and there's sort of two reasons for this. Uh, the first is I'm going to talk a little bit about the current WGA and SAG after strikes in Hollywood. Um, and then I'm also going to talk about how this is going to affect uh, this podcast as well as sort of other podcasts on the network. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, I think if you listen to some of the other shows that we do, maybe you've already heard this. Um, but in case you don't, uh, SAG-AFTRA, which is the sort of American union for screen actors and then television and radio artists, uh, they voted to strike, joining the ongoing strike by the Writers Guild of America on the picket line to demand better treatment from the studios. Uh, this includes a protest of the currently unfair streaming arrangements that have been detrimental to residuals. Um, and residuals are sort of important for uh, these sorts of artists to keep going with their day-to-day life in between uh, gigs or or in between projects. Um, and of course, we often think of sort of the really high, uh, you know, making tons of money superstars when it comes to this. But most uh, actors, workaday actors, um, other artists like that, they are not getting a ton of money from residuals. It's not actually the the highest paying job. Um, you know, people also know the the trope of uh, people getting into acting and they're working a second job as a waiter or something. Um, anyway, all this to say, uh, Connor and I, we stand fully in support of the unions. We hope for a resolution that will be favorable for the unions. Um, and obviously we hope that it comes sooner rather than later. But this strike will go on as long as it has to. Um, and everyone here, uh, not just Connor and I, but like the Export Audio Network in general, and I think I can speak to like Sister Network, uh, Abnormal Mapping as well, we all stand firm in solidarity with these unions. Now, as part of the strike, SAG-AFTRA released a guidance for podcasters and influencers on Tuesday, July 25th, uh, asking for us to refrain from promoting struck work and the streaming services of struck companies. So as such, uh, movie podcasts like Ornate Stairwalls, part of my franchise, Repertory Screenings, and Blockbusters have all gone on a hiatus. Uh, Some of these shows, if if you're fans of them already, um, have plans for what's going to happen in the interim. Uh, Likely you've heard of that or or more stuff is coming. Kind of depends on on the show, the release schedule, all of that. Um, And also we're making the decision because, uh, you know, even if we could pivot to only covering foreign films, which would not be struck work. There's still ways that that can get sort of muddled in here. Um, obviously a lot of those are on struck streaming services. Uh, also there's a fair amount of co-production sometimes that you're not even aware of or actors who would be a part of the guild who might show up in a foreign film. Um, and then also the, the thing is, uh, you know, even if I was doing a film like throw away your books rally in the streets, which I'll, I'll use cause I've mentioned it recently on this podcast. Um, you know, that does not have a official U.S. release or anything, um, at least not currently. It doesn't have any, like, U.S. actors, all of that. It's, like, clearly unstruck work. Still might sometimes be hard to talk about uh, those movies at length without wanting to bring in comparisons to a Hollywood movie or something like that or just referencing something. Um, and ultimately, we feel like just sort of going above and beyond the bare minimum, like what's struck work and what's not struck work and trying to rules lawyer. I know I've seen stuff talking about like criticism is okay. Um, my personal feeling is even negative criticism of something can still drive people to go watch it. Um, especially if it's sort of, uh, the thing where you're doing negative criticism, there's other positive criticism. 
Um, really those are the ones where I feel like it's the most, like, you got to go watch it. You know, people are so mixed on it. You got to figure out for yourself what you feel about. Um, so all that stuff, uh, we kind of feel like it contributes to a movie culture and that movie culture currently predominantly drives people towards these streaming services, um, and towards watching the struck work. And so kind of, we would rather take a step back from doing that criticism, uh, in order to raise more awareness about the strike, kind of help people be aware of the way that everything is interconnected, um, and hopefully encourage people to also look within themselves what are ways that you can support the strike, um, both big and small. I know there's stuff like uh, strike funds and things, um, but also these sorts of things of like talking about it with people, um, all of that I think is important work as well. Uh, even if, you know, us being connected to the struggle, us small time bedroom podcasters, um, like that's not what the, the, uh, guidance that was written was even clearly thinking about the most. It, it was mostly thinking about like, uh, really high profile influencers and actors who would appear on podcasts and things like that. Um, but again, this is something that we believe strongly in and, uh, we decided, you know, even if it's not necessarily immediately geared towards us, it still kind of includes us. Um, and, you know, I know that some of you watch movies and TV shows and things like that because I talk about them. Um, and even though I don't have like a huge range of influence in that, uh, in that way, that is still a certain power that I have. And I would rather use that power to support the union, um, and stand up for the things that I, I believe in and encourage you to join me in that, uh, rather than sort of finding the loophole where I can keep on keeping on. Um, to do otherwise, basically, I, I feel like would be a betrayal of my own work as a critic, uh, especially a critic who is staunchly rooted in leftist and communist theory. Um, this is something that, that we all believe in, I think, on this network. Uh, and I hope that's a, a thing that people like about our podcast. Um, now you might be asking, how does this relate to anime? <laughs> um, and honestly, we asked the same thing. Uh, I know this is a big concern for Great Gundam Project, uh, because the Great Gundam Project is sort of the moneymaker for abnormal mapping. Um, so we, uh, you know, Jackson, uh, the Great Gundam Project was, uh, I would say kind enough to sort of take on reaching out and talking to SAG uh, after we've also uh, seen some responses that other podcasters sort of in our orbit have gotten about this stuff. And I would say the, the response seems nuanced. Um, I will sort of briefly talk about the, the specific response that we got. A lot of the stuff is similar, but there, there's a little bit of a uh, confusion here still maybe. Um, but I'm just going to read from, from this response. So most anime is either not covered by the SAG-AFTRA agreement and or covered by a SAG-AFTRA agreement that is not currently struck. So for the most part, you will be okay as the strike rules do not prohibit you from speaking about productions that are not struck. To the extent that you can avoid specifically speaking about the struck parent companies, we'd appreciate it. The only place where it would get tricky is if there was an anime film that exhibited in theaters and had an American performer in it. Though it is unlikely that true Jap uh, Japan-based anime would be under our contract, it is possible, so we'd encourage you to run specific film titles by us for theatrically released anime. Um, so basically, to, to sort of sum this up uh, to my understanding as well, um, 
there's sort of two factors here. One is uh, actor involvement, and especially it seems like with theatrical films, um, dub involvement or voiceover involvement might cause it to be struck work. There's also the issue of streaming services themselves and uh, trying to avoid at least talking about them. So Connor and I have sort of talked about what do we want to do about this. Um, Based on the guidance that we've gotten, uh, we feel confident that uh, Psychopaths Season 1 is not technically struck work. And uh, this is the most where it's a little bit borderline, but we've decided to fall on the side of... Uh, let's give some closure. Let's give some completion. Um, I imagine a lot of people who have watched along with us so far uh, may have finished the series anyways. Um, if you haven't, I encourage you to find ways that aren't supporting these streaming services uh, to watch this work. And uh, as always, I think Connor and I generally advocate for subs, although we're not like strongly anti-dub, but I'd also say, you know, make your own judgment there. Um but we we felt like we should bring uh, some closure to the season, um, and it is unstruck work. Let's let's at least do that. Um, the one thing is, Psychopaths the movie. I don't know if it's struck work or not. Um, it feels extremely borderline to me. I know that it was shown theatrically. I know that the dub was produced by uh, a company that's a uh, parent company is a is a struck company. Um. I know that it was, uh, you know, that featured SAG after actors uh, on the dubcast. All of that makes me feel like it's not even worth it reaching out to SAG AFTRA and saying, hey, is this one film technically okay so we can cover it on our podcast? Uh, Connor and I just said, let's postpone it until after the strike, until, you know, there's a, a resolution. Again, hopefully a uh, favorable resolution. Um so eventually, at some point, we'll sort of do a one-off episode on Psychopaths the movie, but that is not now. So two weeks from now, instead, we are going to be doing the question bucket. So uh, if you have questions for us, please send them to ghostdiverspod at gmail.com before the end of the day on Saturday, August 12th, 2023. That's ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this, the the data that came out uh, about like a week, a week from now. Um, The other thing that we talked about then is uh, there's sort of this, we prefer people not mention struck streaming services, that kind of thing. Um, And Connor and I talking, we decided let's just like, we have this opportunity. It's in front of us. Uh, we can easily make a pivot because we're going to end this season now. Um, and also, frankly, as we have sort of talked about getting to the Nana anime season, we've talked about how we're going to be talking about the manga a lot anyway. We encourage people to read the manga first before we even got there. That still might be useful if you want to listen along because I think it'll just sort of be a... Um, like, we're not we're not going to try and hold back on spoilers. I don't think even doing the manga. Um but we felt like, hey, we have this opportunity to just truly pivot away from anything that would be on a streaming service. Um, let's do it. Let's just take the opportunity uh, and go for it. So after the question bucket, um, which again, the question bucket episode will be coming out in two weeks, please send in emails now. Um, after the question bucket, uh, we will move on to the Nana manga rather than the Nana anime. So... 
Uh, if you want to sort of get a view of the schedule going forward, uh, just a reminder, if you go to exportodio slash diving schedule, that will give you the whole schedule there. Um, and you can look at it, but you know, to, to sum everything up, um, we're releasing the, the final discussion episode for the, uh, season one. Now we're going to skip psychopaths, the movie and go straight to the, the question bucket in two weeks. And then we're going to do none of the manga and we're just going to sort of take a break from anime altogether. Um, so yeah, thanks again for your time. Fuck the studios, uh, power to striking workers everywhere. Um, I've taken enough of your time, so I will get you on to the episode proper.
Hello and welcome to Ghost Divers. This is an anime podcast on the Export Audio Network. I am your co-host Neve, and I'm joined, as always, by your other co-host Connor. Hey. And today we are talking about episodes uh, 17 through 22 of Psychopaths, which is the end of season one. Um, and all we're doing after this is the movie. At some point, maybe we'll come back and watch the rest. But I, I feel content already with the psychopaths that I have. Okay. Is, so good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, are you are you just completely reeling at this point from how inaccurate your predictions were? You mean about what the the civil system was? Yeah, the remainder of the the plot. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I didn't immediately for, but as soon as it started happening, I was like, oh yeah, uh, it was Makashima escaping. Um, I was like, maybe he'll be like in mm-hmm. prison or something, but then we'll still be, you know, has stuff in the works or is like still talking with people, that kind of stuff. Um, otherwise I feel like a fair amount of this is in line with what I kind of thought would happen. Um, yeah, you, and with the you civil system, I just did extra work. <laughs> I just did extra work with the civil system. For sure. I had it, I had it down uh, and then I, I added something that... else on. <laughs> yeah. The thing about Saiga's method. Yeah. Um, isn't, it doesn't appear to be the case based on what we've seen. Uh, yeah. Although I, I noticed in the, like the ED for the final episode, there's a scene of, Saiga in uh, Chief Kase's office. Uh, and this is after him uh, like acknowledging an episode like, is it 19 or 20? Um, uh, 19. That he's going to be like picked up because he's committed a crime. So. Yeah. Uh, who, um, who knows what happens with that? I don't. Because I, I will I also seen, say. I haven't seen anything past episode 22. So we're equal at this point. Uh, yeah, in our how much we've watched. Um, I will also say he does uh, make a he does seem to make an argument quite on the side of the the civil system. Um, and for as much as he can read people, does not actually seem to like understand Makishima to to me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I and maybe it's just because he's only getting it secondhand from uh, Kogami, but Kogami understands Makishima. Um, he does not. There may also be some qualifications in, uh, in the argument that he offers uh, that yeah. that we need to uh, that we need to make. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that once we get there. Um, do you want to get just get into synopses? Yeah, in the interest of getting there, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can go ahead and start the synopses. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and just do all six episodes straight through. Yeah, uh, so we can just kind of uh, go Pick through and it all choose together. what we want to talk about, and and not have to, you know, not have to up. like hold back something. Um, right, we have everything now. Uh, yeah, until we watch the movie, of course. But um, okay, episode seventeen, Heart of Iron. After Makashima is taken in and the riots are brought under control. Kogami wonders aloud to the rest of Division 1 about how Makashima will be judged and where Kagari is. Later that day, Chief Kase tells uh, Gino that Makashima's case has been taken out of Public Safety Bureau's hands 
and orders him to pivot immediately to investigating Kagari's whereabouts, uh, much to the ire of both Gino and Kugami. Uh, later, we see Makashima waking up in hospital bed on a helicopter flying over the city. Uh, there, he is confronted by Chief Kase again, uh, who reveals herself to actually be Kozuburo Otoma. Uh, of uh, the uh, serial killer fame, yeah, plasti- plasticization fame. Uh, Sasayama's yeah. murder. The one, the one who did the more interesting art pieces <laughs> with the more interesting yeah, installations. Right. Uh, and fellow former associate of Makashima, of course. Yeah. Uh, Toma uh, explains that Kase is in fact a cybernetic body that is alternately inhabited and controlled by the brains of various members of the civil system. Uh, he explains to Makashima the true nature of the civil system, which is revealed to be a supercomputer network composed of the excised brains of criminally asymptomatic individuals like himself. Uh, Toma uh, proposes or informs Makashima, like, oh, the reason that I'm inhabiting Kase is because we know each other, we're friends, uh, and therefore... Uh, we, the civil system, decided that I was the best person to to pitch you on this. Uh, and, and this pitch is, Makashima, you should become part of the, of the system. Uh, we're very interested in your, since you're another criminally asymptomatic person, uh, we're interested in you joining um, and, and you adding to uh, to Sybil. Uh Toma threatens that they will take his brain forcibly if he refuses, uh, but they prefer for him to join willingly, quote-unquote. Referencing Makashima's earlier uh, stated beliefs about uh, people's actions only having value uh, when they're actions that are a result of that person's will. Uh, Unfazed by this, Makashima... He he also references this thing about the value of physical books beyond just the words within them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah good uh good catch there uh, yeah so uh unfazed makashima refuses uh validating his earlier points about the value of uh physical books by attacking toma with the book uh incapacitating him and killing him uh while mocking the civil system uh and toma and toma's own fear of death uh, he then crashes the helicopter and escapes briefly contacting Kugami to inform him that he's escaped uh, and the fact that he has learned the true form of the civil system, uh, telling Kagami that, uh, hey, but it's not worth, it's not worth giving your life for. Um, episode 18, Promises Written in Water. <clears throat> uh, with Magashima once again free, um, the chief, uh, Kase demands that Kogami be taken off the case and confined to the Bureau in order to protect Makashima. Um, Basically, like, we want to make sure he comes in alive so we can't have him because he's just going to try and kill him. Um, Upon receiving this news, Kogami deduces the overall shape of events around Makashima's escape and concludes that the chief may have wanted and still wants to use Makashima for something. Akane tries to discourage Kogami from going forward in his attempts to kill Makashima, making him promise to be a detective instead of a killer, um, as he said that he would when Akane first began working with him. 
Gino tries to circumvent Kase's restrictions and release Kugami to pursue Makashima by transferring him to Division 2, uh, but the chief anticipates this ploy, arrests Kugami, um, you know, reprimands Gino. Uh, there's also this thing in here uh, where I think she wants, like, Gino to shoot Kogami and kill him and, like, activates the the uh, Dominator so that it's, like, the Eliminator mode or whatever. Um, yeah, she's trying to, then, like, manipulate him into, like, yeah, yeah. Kill, killing Kogami um, to, like, um, fully become this pawn or whatever. Yeah, but then Akane, recognizing what's up, reading everything that's happening, uh, does a, a, like safe ploy and uh shoots kagami with her gun being like hey gino your your gun seems to be acting up you're not supposed to it's not supposed to do the like eliminator mode unless it's over 300 and he was only in the 200s uh you should get that checked out and then you know everybody's like mm. <laughs> we know something happened here but you're just playing it cool um anyway uh so kagami is, is subdued and like arrested um Intending to eliminate Kogami. Um, oh, you you had this in here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> That's yeah. okay. You got it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Kogami then wakes up and finds Akane sleeping by his bedside, uh, but he does not wake her. Instead, he goes to see Karanomori, uh, asks her for one of the helmets remaining from the riot, and she lets him take it. Um, I will also note that as uh, they are leaving... Uh, like as he's leaving, uh, they have some comment about like, it's weird that we didn't sleep together, but also, uh, I don't think we're either of each other's types. Um, and then I remember all of the like vague gay vibes between Karnamori and, um, Yoyoi throughout yeah. the season and are like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and turns out it was more explicit, like very early on. I just didn't catch it because I was new to all the characters. Um, anyway, uh, before escaping, Kugami also has a short conversation with Masaoka, who gives Kugami the key to his safe house um, and tells him that he should write Akane a letter. Uh, Kugami uses the helmet in order to escape and go to the safe house. Uh, we also kind of learn in here that the the like city security system, like the camera system, um, is like partially down, which is also making it easier to move around. It's like possibly how uh, Makashima is moving around as well. Um, and it will be restored in five days. This will be like important, but... Um, yeah, he goes to the safe house, uh, takes some parts and constructs a revolver out of them. Um, and then, uh, writes the letter, which Akane finds and reads, um, and tears fall from her face when she finishes reading and calls Kogami an idiot. Um, I forget if we get the text of the letter right in this episode. We do. Um, okay. Um, I think it is in this episode. We can talk about it later if it's relevant, but Yeah. Um, I'll have to pull that up because I don't think I, I put that in our notes. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it, I, I think it, it may be relevant um, when we kind of discuss where the, where these characters end up or what we know about them by the end of the, the show or the mm -hmm. season. Uh, episode 19, Transparent Shadow. Uh, we see uh, Gino, whose hue is now problematic, uh, talking with his therapist uh, who urges him to immediately go into intensive therapy uh, or or else. Um, and Gino refuses um, because he uh, doing that would require him to stop working on this case. Um, and he wants to um, 
to focus on the case and see it through. Uh, he then argues with Masaoka, who uh, who here and previously uh, is urging Gino uh, Gino to distance himself from the case uh, and restore his mental health, secure you know his job and his his livelihood. Um, but uh, Gino uh, refuses and uh, declares his intention to see the case through uh, once again. Uh, Kagami, meanwhile, goes to visit Saiga in order to figure out Makashima's next move or to deliberate on it. Uh, and there they deliberate uh, while also eating omurice, um, uh, trying to uh, understand Makashima's motivations and predict his next move. Uh, and they ultimately uh, conclude that Makashima is probably going to attempt to meddle with Japan's food supply in order to set off a chain reaction that will overturn the civil system. Uh, one note here, uh, there, uh, the way that they conclude this is Saiga goes on this uh, forum where it's all of the uh, people who have become antiquated by Sybil, such as professors, uh, literary theorists, journalists, etc., um, where they're all on these like secret forums uh that Sybil doesn't moderate or whatever. Um, and Saiga posts a thread and is like, how could you destroy the civil system in five days? Uh, and then uh, a bunch of people are replying and uh, Kogami's reading them and Saiga is like, you and Makashima are very much alike. So just whatever jumps out at you, just like follow that lead. Uh, and yeah, there's even some like, line of like whatever you think is funniest. <laughs> yeah, whatever like tickles your fancy. Yeah, uh, just like hone in on that. Uh, and Kogami is like, hmm, this stuff about the hyper oats. I'm just like really, I'm locking in on this. So they're like, okay, well, that it's probably what he's gonna do. Uh, so anyway, um, they uh, they kind of conclude that that this is his plan. Uh, back at the bureau, Kara Nomori does her best to comfort Akane, who's disheartened by Kagami's escape. Uh, in Kase's office, we see Kase connecting with the civil system uh, and kind of like this weird dialogue um, with her head like hooked into the... Um, to the... With, with like cables to whatever her terminal... Um, and yeah. discussing with the rest of Sybil uh, how to find a new a new pawn, quote unquote, uh, since Gino is now seen as unreliable. Uh, and later, Akane uh, is contacted by Sybil directly through her dominator. Uh, and Sybil declares that it will tell her the truth about everything. Um, episode 20, The Place Where Justice is Found. The civil system reveals itself to Akane, who reacts with rage and disgust, but eventually concludes that she understands the necessity of the system. If not, it's justifiability. Um, there's a lot going on here, but that's a that's a fine summary of the the conclusion, right? Yeah, we'll we'll unpack um, we'll unpack that. Yeah, Akane's like feelings on uh, yeah. about Sybil. Um, Sybil then asks for cooperation and, uh, apprehending Makashima alive. Um, meanwhile, Makashima has located, 
uh, Nobuaku Kudama, who's uh, the professor responsible for the hyper oats, um, basically, uh, hyper oats are like the primary food source for, for Japan to remain, um, like self-sustainable, uh, have like a, a, you know, self-sufficient food source. It's like Um, 99% of, of the food that is consumed is like based on this one crop called hyper oats. Yes. Uh, and it, it is like protected through, uh, like advanced, there's some sort of, I, I didn't fully follow, but there's like a virus delivery method that like protects it against whatever, you know, things might attack the crops. Um, it can like rapidly adjust to, to, you know, help protect the crops. Um, and so there's all this research into the, like the virus that does that and everything. Um, there's like a benign and, virus that protects it because it's this enormous yes. monoculture. So like it's very yes. vulnerable. If if it's infected, it will just like all be wiped out. Uh, yeah. But the solution is that they have this like virus that they're engineering to uh, yeah. to like protect it somehow. And they can like adjust it and like quickly roll out. It seems like updates to it to like address things as well. Um, cause this will become part of essentially the plan that Makashima has is, uh, to adjust it where it will just attack the hyper oats and destroy them. Uh, the thing that protects it will become the thing that destroys it. Um, and, uh, he, he murders Kodama after getting the information that he seeks, uh, and then also takes his fingers and eyeballs because the agricultural facility is like a, a very old one. And so unlike newer facilities that have uh, stuff linked to like the civil system, hue and like criminality ratings and everything, um, this one is still tied to like uh, biometric scans where, you know, yeah. Um, so, uh, with that stuff, um, he then, uh, essentially heads off to the, the, you know, place where the hyper oats are, are hyper, hyper university. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, then Kagami arrives on the scene not long after and, uh, leaves a clue for the public safety bureau in the man's air pipe. Um, on Kagami's tail, uh, so we get like a series of people going here. Uh, Kane, um, one contacts Sybil and demands that it withdraw the execution order for Kagami. Um, and at first, like, I think she just wants it completely waived for like doing this, but essentially negotiates it to if she successfully captures Makashima alive, then Kagami will be like freed from the execution order and they can just like take him in and, and you know, prosecute him other ways. Um, whether or not like, this would be a, a great life, uh, you, maybe you just end up in that facility that like Yoyoi is in. Who knows? But yeah, um, and Sybil uh, eventually accepts this. Um, the other thing here, I forget if we learn it in this episode or in a later one, um, Hagane also basically negotiates to have her uh, Dominator locked permanently in like stun mode, basically being like, otherwise I can't like shoot Makashima and get him alive. I will have to use like other things that might be, uh, you know, that are, that are like less than lethal or whatever, you know, might still yeah. end up lethal. He might end up. On yeah. How, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically using how much they want Makashima as a valuable brain to put into the system, uh, alive as leverage here. 
Um, so, uh, anyway, they, they arrive at the scene then, um, and Akane, uh, sort of uses her skills and detective strategies to deduce, like, essentially that Kagami has these layers of priority, um, that, like, yes, he doesn't want them to catch up to them before he can go kill Makashima, but more important to him is the, like, stuff with Makashima. Um, making sure Makashima doesn't, like, succeed. Um, and so because of that, he might do things to make it look like, how are we going to find anything in here? But he will still provide us. He's not going to like burn the body and stuff. He's, he's not going to like burn the key clues. He will leave the clues for us to, to find as well. So that if we do our work right, we can also like catch Makashima if he's unable to do this. Um, and so she's correct. Uh, they find the, the thing in the windpipe. Um, and, it's a little like uh chip that, that Kogami left basically saying, here's the plan. Um, this is like what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, and so uh, they learn about the situation just as Makashima reaches the destination and Kogami is uh, not far behind. And that takes us to episode 21 bloodstained reward. Uh, these synopses get a little bit longer. Uh, so fair warning. Uh, Makashima initiates his plan to destroy Japan's main food source. Uh, meanwhile, Kagami's at, uh, outside the factory, uh, trying to find a way in, but he notices that there's security everywhere. Uh, so he, um, you can't, he can't get past it. Uh, he hears a helicopter coming and turns around only, uh, to discover that division one have caught up to him. Uh, I guess helicopters get places faster than motorcycles or whatever um kagami uh kagami is like wow yep they found they found my clue uh and calls akane saying uh you know shut off the main power uh makashima is using the facility to engineer this uh this virus you need to shut off the power so he can't like engineer it and deploy it uh and akane is like oh that's exactly what what you would like oh wouldn't that be convenient for you because you want to get past the security. Uh, so she kind of doesn't want to do it. Uh, but then they, uh, her and the other uh, people in Division 1 kind of realize that they don't have a choice. Um, so they do turn off the power. Uh, Kagami then gets in the facility. Uh, he like has his gun. Uh, and he begins searching for Makashima. Uh, following him in are Akane, uh, Gino... Uh, Kunizuka, Yayoi, uh, and Masaoka. Uh, Akane has them split up into into two groups um, because uh, one group kind of needs to go to the control room uh, because that's the most likely spot um, as they see it uh, for Makashima to go. Uh, And then um, Gino and Masaoka go together uh, to kind of just search for Makashima elsewhere. Um, when Akane and Kagami is part of, oh yeah, Kagami as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when Akane and Kunizuka get to the control room, no one is there. Um, and after, uh, pondering this for a minute, uh, Akane realizes that, uh, Makashima's plan is actually to, uh, basically lure them out and, and kill them. Um, 
uh, and he right now he is going to be targeting Gino and uh, Masaoka. Um, so she like rushes to call them. Uh, that then uh, cuts us over to Gino and Masaoka, who are kind of at the the university's lab looking around. Uh, Gino is. They see like a tripwire with a visible uh, like laser on the ground. Uh, and Gino is like, oh, uh, glad I saw that. Let me just go the other way. Uh, and Masoka's like, no, don't go that way. That's the actual trap. Uh, but it's too late. Because uh, Gino trips the uh, the more concealed uh, trip wire. Um, and that like sets off this explosion uh, where a bunch of the crates that are stacked up fall over. Um, and like fall over on top of Gino and like pin him to the ground. Um, and he's, he's injured. Um, Masaoka runs over to like, you know, to, to help him. Uh, but at that moment, Makashima appears, uh, and attacks Masaoka. Um, they fight, uh, for a short, uh, for a minute, uh, Masaoka kind of starts getting the upper hand. Uh, he gets Makashima in a headlock and forces him to the ground. Uh, but at that moment, uh, Makashima uh, produces a bomb uh, from his pocket and throws it at, at Gino, uh, who's still trapped under the, the crates. Uh, Masaoka, even though Gino is like yelling at him uh, not to let go of Makashima uh, and basically like, you know, let me die, like don't let him go. Uh, Masaoka does let go of Makashima. Um, yeah. Be a detective, not a father. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Um, but Masaoka chooses to be a father instead. Uh, he, ru- he rushes over uh, and grabs the bomb and throws it. Uh, but like right as it leaves his hand, uh, it explodes um, and like mortally wounds him, basically. Um, but, but he does save Gino. Uh, Gino, uh, like overcome with emotion, uh, graphically like drags himself out from under the debris um severely injuring his arm um it seems like maybe like part of his arm is amputated uh, it's not clear um although i don't know if, i, if I assume a- that like in future stuff maybe i'm wrong but in future stuff he will have a cyborg arm like his father has. yeah it seems like that's part of what's happening here yeah. yeah um he drags himself out and he runs over to masaoka um, he kind of just like collapses to the ground in despair, uh, cause it's clear that Masaoka is, is mortally wounded. Um, he holds Masaoka and finally acknowledges him as his father, um, as Masaoka slowly dies. Uh, Masaoka touches Gino's face, telling him that his eyes are the same eyes that he had at, uh, Gino's age, uh, finally having this like, um, very tender, moment of acknowledgement uh between father and son uh kogami hearing the explosion uh arrives and tries to shoot makashima but he misses him uh he then sees masaoka is mortally injured uh and cries out in anguish um before kind of like clenching his teeth um in anger and running off to pursue makashima um, Kogami eventually does intercept Makashima and the two talk briefly before Makashima 
um, just like attacks, uh, knocking the revolver out of Kogami's hand. Uh, and Kogami takes out uh, his secondary weapon, which is a knife. Um, we've seen him in an earlier episode uh, kind of deliberately uh, bringing a knife with him, uh, perhaps anticipating this moment. <laughs> uh, and uh, at Kogami, so Kogami takes out his um, kind of like, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a hunting knife, uh, what exactly type of knife it is. Um, and then uh, seeing this, Makashima takes out his razor, uh, his kind of signature weapon, um, and they begin to fight. I was just checking the the final episode to see if um, I could see a cyborg arm and the the little scanning through. I didn't see it for for Gino, but uh, I did see some then like fan art and stuff from season two. Or it seems like that's true. He gets a cyborg okay. arm. Um. <clears throat> anyway, episode twenty two, perfect world. Uh, the battle begins between Kogami and Makashima, or the, the battle between uh, Kogami and Makashima continues, uh, just as Kogami inflicts a crucial wound across Makashima's chest with his knife. Akane arrives and launches a grenade to stop them. Um, it's like one of those like EMP grenades that they had for the riot, I think. Um, that also stuns so people, just, apparently. Yeah. So sort of kicks it up and it, it blasts up in the air, but doesn't like fully stun them. Um uh, and so that gives uh, time for him to escape in the confusion. Um, instead of shooting Kogami, uh, Kane asks him for help uh, apprehending, uh, but not killing Makashima. Specifically, it's like, give me the revolver, I'll give you the Dominator. Um, so, and it's like locked in uh, stun mode. So, you know, Dominator mode versus Eliminator or whatever. Yeah. Um, like, I'm going to trust <clears throat> you. I'm choosing to, like, trust you and, like, ask for your help here. Yeah. And she's like, and if you try to kill Makashima, I will shoot you in the leg. <laughs> um, and so Kogami is like, uh, sure. <laughs> um, they sort of go off uh, in search of Makashima um, while they are, are trying to find him in, like, basically a mass of trucks that are all parked. Um they uh, exchange their views about law, justice, and the civil system. Um, and uh, there's a moment then sort of... They, they seem to sort of get to a conclusion of the conversation, but are also slightly interrupted by um, a truck suddenly reversing um, and, like, trying to back up into them. Um, Kugami dodges the vehicle, uh, but notices that Akane managed to hop onto it and is clinging to the back. Um, and uh, after a little bit, as she sort of like leans around to try and take aim uh, at the wheels, Makashima also notices her um, and swerves, trying to dislodge her. Uh, but she does manage to shoot out a tire, and the truck crashes. Uh, this injures both Makashima and herself. Um, and Makashima gets out of the truck, uh, steps on Akane, grabs the revolver and tries to kill her. Um, you know, saying, don't insult the duel between me and Kukami, basically. Uh, and when he pulls the trigger, he realizes that the revolver was empty. Uh, Akane used her last bullet to, to shoot the tire. Um, so he leaves her incapacitated. Uh, Kugami catches up, uh, picks her up and places her in a safe spot takes the revolver, reloads it, because, of course, he has the ammunition. Um, and Kagami cries out, knowing 
Kagami. Uh, Akane cries out, knowing that Kagami intends to kill Makashima. Um, so uh, Makashima, who is badly injured, is running through uh, the the hyper fields, <laughs> um, and it's just like uh, bright yellow with like some intense red and purple as the sun sets. Uh, that really looked like pastoral to die in the country. Um, and Makashima, as we find out, will it becomes determined to uh, die in the country as Kagami goes in pursuit. Um, well, I'll talk about his like final words essentially, but um, he settles down, uh, kneels in the hills, and when Kagami uh, Kogami eventually catches up um, with the sun setting, Makashima sort of reflects on the relationship, uh, asks Kogami if he will ever find a replacement for him. Uh, when Kogami says uh, he hopes he never wills, there's this moment where Makashima seems to sort of like be at peace or like you yeah. know smile. Um, and then Kagami shoots him in the head, killing him. Um, sometime after, Akane returns to the civil system. The civil system says, uh, you know, we're not, we're not mad at you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you failed to capture Makashima alive. And so we're, we're just, fo- we're forced to, there, well, there's no choice. We have to downgrade our assessment of your abilities. Um, we thought you were better than this, uh, but, you know, now we see. From A to um, A minus. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so unfortunate. I, th- I thought you would be all A's, but now you're coming here with a B plus. Um, <laughs> uh, despite this, um, they do know her first value. B plus Akane's ever had in her life. <laughs> yeah. Um, despite this, uh, they note that her value as an individual is still outstanding. Um, and they reiterate that they require, uh, or that, uh, she has this healthy, strong psychopath. Um, they see this as an ideal. They, they like this about her. Um, and also she's, she now serves this great function because she's not going to rat them out. Uh, she believes too much in like order of the system and that like revealing this would like destroy the system. So she's not going to like reveal who they are, but she also like, uh, fundamentally disagrees with their existence. So if we can convince you to come over to our side, that gives us great sample data for, you know, the next phase here and the government's governance of our society is revealing our true side our true form to the, the populace. And uh, we want every single citizen to embrace and accept what we are. And so if we can convince you like, this will be great. This we'll just mechanize this process and then roll yeah. it out to the entire uh, citizenry. Yeah. Um, and Akane says uh, that Sybil should not underestimate, uh, should not underestimate humans as they are always aiming for a better society. Um, and that she thinks that, like, essentially, if everybody uh, actually seeks that and, like, um, is fighting for the laws that are worth fighting for and, like, focused on, like, these things, then there will be no f- need for the civil system. Uh, you'll be we'll, we'll evolve beyond you. Um, and they're like, no, don't you see where you're going to be a piece of our evolution. Um, in a sense, you're almost like a part of the civil system but one that can be external to us yeah. uh, and, and help us further our evolution. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that more. Um, we see Gino uh, attending his father's grave uh, without his eyeglasses. 
Um, and he says to Masoka's grave that his crime coefficient has risen to 140 despite, um, and despite becoming a latent criminal now, um, it isn't in his nature to sort of stay in the isolation facility. And so he's decided to be an enforcer, uh, like his dad. Um, he leaves the grave and returns to the car where Akane is waiting for him. Um, and he's like, I'm sorry for dragging you along. And she's like, listen, like you gotta go around with a, uh, um, inspector anyways. So like, this is what I'm for. I'm happy to, to help you like go visit your dad's grave. Um, and they drive in the car and Gino, uh, tells Akane that unlike Masaoka, uh, Shusei Kagari was not able to get a proper grave. Um, Akane wonders where Kogami is, and Gino replies that when the collar comes off of a wild hunting dog, it becomes no different than a wolf. Um, Akane asks him, why are you wearing glasses, or why aren't you wearing glasses anymore? And Gino's like, I basically, like, I didn't like the look of my face and my eyes. Um, I thought that, like, you know, glasses sort of hid them and made them look better. Uh, but now that I'm, like, a latent criminal, I don't really care anymore, like, what people think about how I look. Um, so I'm, I'm like not putting on those pretenses anymore. Um, then we, uh, jump a little bit further into the future. Uh, division one is is responding to a new incident. Um, and we essentially get this like repeat of episode one where, uh, a new inspector to the public safety bureau, Mika uh, Shimatsuki, who I'm assuming is going to show up in the movie. Uh, she arrives on the crime scene and meets Akane and it's like rainy. And Akane basically says the same stuff about like, you know, I'm sorry that we have to like throw you into a real case right away, but this is just the circumstances and a police van pulls up and the, yeah, bad luck, the enforcers come out. Yeah, bad luck rookie uh, forces come out and are like, you know, these are like unlike people that you've normally met. Like these are are latent criminals, but like, you know, basically the whole same explanation that she got. She just like delivers it verbatim. Um, And uh, notably, she changes uh, Gino's words in saying that um, the enforcers are humans just like them. Uh, It's like the, the main change. Everything else is like pretty much one for one i'm doing like the same spiel <laughs> yeah it's like the so. scene is almost completely recapitulated but then like yeah. instead of calling them like dogs or animals she like noticeably introduces them as humans yeah so, yeah, um, so that's the uh the end of season one yeah um I cried at, Ma- at Makashima's death. Uh, Makashima is the true hero of Psychopaths. Um, it's a shame that he was not able to to do more than the the one connection that he had with Kogami. Uh, but that is still a triumph in the face of the civil system. This is my take. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a. So I think maybe we can just like get. We don't really need to warm up too much at this point because we've, uh, we've already discussed so much, and also like. Yeah. I don't think we necessarily need to proceed through. Um, oh, I wanted I wanted to note one other thing here. Uh, in the final credits, I think at the very end, um, we see Kogami in some sort of like safe house or whatever, um, and he, I forget if he's like smoking or drinking or something, um, but he's also reading Swan's Way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, a physical book of Swan's Way. I will note. 
Uh, yeah, Kagami anyway, seems yeah. to like physical books as much as as much as Makashima does. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but oh. yeah. The oh. other things I want to say within that, uh, we also get a shot of um, Kananomori and and Yoyoi. Uh, Shion, I think, is is kind of more Namori's given name. Um, they're like, uh, they have like just gotten done fucking. Um, and like the the fan is like conveniently hiding, like you know most of their nudity, but they like get out of bed, um, have a little conversation, and that is less gay than <laughs> Kogami <laughs> shooting Makashima in the head. <laughs> uh, yeah, that. Uh... There's there's a lot to talk about with that scene. Um, yeah. Since you brought it up, I, I will just add um, the conversation between Yoyoi and Shion. Uh, they're talking about how much Division One has changed. Uh, in that, you know, Masaoka is dead. Gino is now an enforcer. Um, Kogami's gone. Uh, Kagari is, is dead. Um, and. Uh, Yoyoi says something about, um, oh, like these old timers, not in like a derogatory way, uh, but basically like, you know, uh, guys like Masaoka and Kogami, um, were like this, uh, like traditionalist or like old timers, um, and Even, even Gino in a way, in the way that he has like changed. Yeah. No. Yeah, like it, the way Gino was before is like lumped in with this, um, yeah. where they had this like attachment to um, these old ideals that like drove them to, um, you know, t- to the ends that they all uh, that they all realized for themselves. Um, and you're always kind of reflecting on uh, there's a certain uh, like reflexivity in that. Um, and that their beliefs like made them uh, antiquated in, in some way. Um, and uh, Kara Nomori is like, uh, well, instead of calling them old timers, would you? Uh, th- that's maybe a little uh, too harsh or not generous enough. Uh, maybe we should call them romantics. Um, kind of implying that there's uh, an ideal or like a, a value um there that that may be lost um yeah and you always like do you think that would really give them any comfort uh and we kind of end there um so it's a, a good scene um that i think maybe at the end when we're um thinking about the the state of the world uh, and kind of the events that have transpired and what the outlook is um, we can keep that in mind, uh, those reflections. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe to return to, like, the Kogami and Makashima stuff, which I feel like is, like, the, the biggest heart, and then we can, like, dig into other stuff after that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's any, like, specific stuff you want to talk about before, like, the final ending, but... Um... um I think to set things up that we can kind of go through as, as it makes sense. Um, I'll just make a few like general comments and then we to, to like set things up. Um, yeah. 
So first, uh, this is not immediately related, but uh, I, I think <laughs> uh, I think we'll find out that it that it is. Um, one of the things that's interesting about this section of the episodes to me is the way that once the Sybil system is revealed or the true form of it is revealed to the viewer, uh, you know, prior to that and in our last discussion, we spent a lot of time talking about um, the challenges to the Sybil system specifically. Um, And like the host of problems um, that the Sybil system kind of presents um, and then like faces um, and basically all of the ways that the civil system is fucked up um, and how that's triggering <laughs> all of these phenomena uh, that, you know, the, the show is uh, presenting. And it's a very interesting shift that happens here where it feels like the show kind of pivots from this focus on the civil system itself uh to these more like overtly general meditations on political philosophy, um, like talking about political regimes more generally, uh, and like foundational questions about uh, what like in philosophy or in political philosophy um, is a well-known problem in fl- political philosophy, which is like, the distinction between legitimacy and justice uh, and in political regimes um, and like what each of those things are and then their relationship to one another. Um, and then we start getting a lot of different views on like by bringing Sybil into this more general frame, we now start getting uh, a lot of different views on Sybil uh that take us in, in different, uh, different directions. Um, yeah. That is, it's somewhat well, I, surprising. And I think it's also coming out of this shift in that the show has been challenging a lot of the, the ideas around the system itself. Um, <clears throat> and also like a certain, uh, mechanized or, uh, computerized or like data driven, you know, various ways you can talk about this. Um, but in some ways the reveal of the civil system is also the reveal of like, um, tech stuff loves to talk about like the lack of bias in AI or whatever, uh, you know, that like being freed from humans, these things are, are, uh, that lack the human biases. Um, but if you do any actual research into these things, one most like even if this was a pure ai system most uh ai is trained on human inputs um everything serves purposes for the people who made them um we we can do plenty of like uh speculation and worry about when you know the machines will take over and take power away from the humans uh but i think the 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 bigger truth is that like all of this stuff is being made to serve specific people. Um, yeah. It's, it may be extending like 
forms of domination that are yeah. existing right now. <laughs> um, as and, well, and this as, goes from know, like, you know, I mean the 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 most ridiculous examples of like the AI that people have tried to train on like tweets, and they just like end up spewing like racist Nazi shit because it's all over Twitter. Uh, if you like go to certain segments, um, chat GPT, like there's been news articles recently that like when it was first released, it would answer math problems correctly about 98% of the time that has fallen. And there are like simple math problems that it gets wrong. And like, there are instances of chat GPT where people are like asking it, like trying to like drill down, like what is the logic that you have where you are saying two by two equals five or whatever. And it's just like, like there are things where it's like, how do you spell this word? And it's like messing it up. And it like understands the correct order of like, one, two, three, four, five, and it understands how to link that to letters, but it still is still somehow messing up, like shifting what it's calling the fourth letter of the word. Like all this stuff is like weird and broken. Um, and a lot of that is probably also through user input where just like user input is like fucking it up. <laughs> like yeah. human beings, I'm sure there are human beings intentionally fucking it up. Um, I want to regularly shout that, and I, I don't, but I want to regularly shout at like, management at my company who will talk about uh using google or chat gpt to look something up being like it is made to lie to you <laughs> it wants to lie to yeah. you it wants to give you an answer and it, it will lie to do that um all of this to say that like even fully quote-unquote like actual ai or deep learning or whatever stuff is all one influenced by humans in its creation and then two specifically designed to serve specific human interests. Um, and those human interests often highly tied to like ruling glasses. So I think that's also part of the shift here is like the reveal that the machine is humans. Yes. It's a literal thing <laughs> happening here, but it's also pointing to like a truth about the machines that rule us right now. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, and so, once it goes there, it then makes the step to, so what we're really talking about are like human systems of governance throughout time and, and different relations to it. So, yeah. And I yeah. think in making that leap. So, yeah, like you've, as you pointed out, uh, one of the reveals is that like for as much as we've been talking about Sybil as this like inhuman system, um, it is well human brains at least. Uh, it's it's comprised of humans, uh, which is th this thing we learn. Um, and, and it's also like deeply rooted in uh, human society and human systems. Yes, and we learn through the conversation between uh, Toma and uh makashima uh, uh some of the more honest uh motivations <laughs> of the individuals uh in the system uh insofar as as toma um kind of like describes them um where he talks about uh this idea of like transcending mankind, um, achieving omnipotence, uh, 
achieving, like gaining this pleasure uh, from this omnipotence and this power um, and these like conceits of transcending, uh, which Makashima then turns around and um, immediately disproves <laughs> uh, by killing Toma um, and then like mocking his, his fear of dying. Um, which, uh, yeah, again, immediately kind of disproves, uh, Toma's, uh, and by extension, the civil system, uh, their claims of, of transcendence, um, because they're claiming this, uh, this infinite wisdom, uh, this transcendence of humanity, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, uh, Makashima points out, I think rightly, uh, that if they did have this, uh, then they wouldn't be subject uh, to the very human fear of death. Um, and also, uh, with the like Gulliver's Travels reference, um, also skewers the, the ego um, and the like uh, very human uh, and base pretenses um, that Toma is, is actually articulating. Um, as like motivating, <laughs> uh, motivating factors for him. Um, so we're kind of learning here, like, yeah, I, this is a, you know, uh, it's, we're getting a complication that the civil system is, uh, a human, uh, a human system, uh, and so we kind of have a tension already where, okay, is this a human system or is it an inhuman system? Uh, and I think we have, I don't think that's resolved um, because you can talk about the constituent elements of the system uh, being humans and then uh, the motivations of those constituent elements or even like the collective motivation of, uh, you know, these linked consciousnesses. Uh, being driven or marked by uh, these like human concerns or these human biases uh, in certain ways. And, but then like the way that they are mechanized and uh, arrayed uh, and operate um, is this inhuman or monstrous uh, as Akane says, uh, this monstrous form um, that has this inhumanity about it. Um, so we, I think it's important that we have this tension, uh, going into the, like f the following dialogues where the civil system is like brought in with, uh, like compared to, um, or evaluated, uh, from the standpoint of like general, meditations on uh you know law and justice uh and, le and legitimacy etc yeah <clears throat> um i also think that this moment is especially in this episode uh you know we're i think we're primarily talking about the the reveal of the civil system to makashimi here and I think there's also this interesting thing happening here where um, some of the, the explanations that we have gotten of Makashima is like, um, 
the the lonely child who has been like not recognized by society uh and this he's just like lashing out about this um he's lashing out about being like uh ostracized in some way um and specifically the civil system is trying to do this response to makashima that is giving him like a, a friend from the past uh you know giving him toma saying look this is toma we'll bring you in you'll become a part of us like you'll be included um we're doing this like very specific human connection in the form of uh of toma uh this is also like the reveal of the civil system is the reveal that uh even though makashima has not been able to like mutually recognize um the the civil system as like a relationship they've been like recognizing him as like humans observing him in some way even though they're like giving him this yeah, like or th- no crime efficient yeah but it's like or specifically like the regime, because they're yeah sorry the like regime of the civil system does not recognize him but like the individual constituents of the civil system have some sort of like knowledge of him or recognize yeah. him in some, or offer recognition to him in, in some way. And also that in some ways there there is offered up uh, a, some level of explanation about, like, um, this criminally asymptomatic, like, not having these scores, like, not being recognized in this way, is itself, like, a recognized recognition of the uniqueness of a person that like we want you to be a part of us because you'll be able to provide more like disparate and interesting um you know like the the whole argument of the civil system they're doing here is like specifically seeking out those who are at the most fringes of society because you bring all the people on the fringes together and then you get like the most uh interesting conglomeration of uh you know, quote unquote, like debate ideas. or whatever, and ideas yeah. that will then arrive at this like uh, centrism. <laughs> yeah, or there's some <laughs> like the civil system. If we can just encompass all of like the entire potentiality of human thought, yeah, within this and th- system and control it, and then we can like, you know, judge anything that falls within that. <laughs> yeah. And so the fringes are far more valuable than having a bunch of people who believe like roughly the same thing. We want lots of people with lots. Of, we want a plurality of ideas. <laughs> yeah. Um, civil system doing some strong liberalism here. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and specifically, uh, Makashima is still rejecting that. Um, and this, this is where we start getting into like some of the stuff at the, the, end where i mean i want to talk about like episode 22 but i think there's also stuff in 21 i don't know if there's other things you want to bring in here but i'm i'm going to do that you helpfully wrote this quote for me um which i i believe this is in the confrontation between kagami and makashima in 21 where kagami says uh you just can't stand to be on your own makashima says do you think i'm the only one who's left out who isn't alone uh in this society who isn't, who isn't alone, alone? yes yeah. who society. isn't alone in this society um 
The time when connection to others was the basis of ourselves is long gone. There is no place for communities in this world where everyone is watched over by a system that lives within the system's standards. Everyone stays within their little cell, and the system tames them by giving uh, them each their own personal serenity. I forget if this is the time where he also talks about the panopticon, that the civil system is this, like, uh, great form of Foucault's panopticon, which I don't know if we want to get into more detail, but... Um, that is in episode uh, 19 when okay. that's when Saiga and, and Kogami are imagining what Makashima would be saying to like respond okay. to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this really, it comes to like the poignancy and the, the really emotional moment for me. Um, and again, this just to, to bring it back briefly, um, like I did laugh at how much Makashima's death was also, images of like a pastoral landscape in Japan and specifically evoking uh, colors that intentional or not are also colors used like, like a a certain almost like tie dyeing of the field or like dying of edges of the screen. And there it's explained within this, this show as like the sunset, but it really evokes these moments where like uh, colors become almost psychedelic uh, in the way that they are dyed and pastoral to die in the country. Um, And there are some shots here where like, I might release this episode with like a meme image where I'm going to like paste Makashima ready to die over like a shot of pastoral to die in the country instead of like the, <laughs> the, the, the uh, hyper oat fields. Um, but one, it like evoking that. And I, two, like um, throw away your books railing the streets, um, you know, Teriyama's movie. I find really interestingly interesting in the, uh, you know, intellectually interesting in the way that I, I was talking about, like, Teriyama Shuji stuff last time. Um, Pastoral to Die in the Country has a lot of that and also hits me, like, very emotionally. Um, that film is talking more about relationships between, like, a child and and parents and, like, uh, trauma around that. Uh, the core question of um, Pastoral to Die in the Country is doing almost like the sci-fi question of if you traveled back in time and killed your mom, would you cease to exist? But taking it to a more metaphorical level or a metaphysical level or a, um, it's not about like, uh, physically would you cease existing, but rather if you killed your mother in your memory, if you were able to excise the trauma that you have about your parents, would that fundamentally change who you are as a person where you would be indistinguishable from the self that you are? Um, would you kill yourself in the process of trying to like fully excise the, the like troubled relationship that you had with your parents? And that's like the core of pastoral to die in the country to me. Um, but also this like core of like trying to connect like with your past selves and things like that. Um, anyway, all of this to say, like that movie hits me emotionally in the way that this does as well, where we get to the scene um, as Makashima is running through the fields is basically thinking uh, everyone is alone. Everyone is empty. People no longer have need of others. You can always find a space for any talent, any relationship or a spare for any talent. Uh, any relationship can be replaced. I had gotten bored of a world like that, but for some reason, the thought that someone other than you might kill me never occurred to me. Um, and 
you know, this is getting at like a lot of the stuff I was talking about before about like this this resonance I was seeing between Teriyama Shuji's ideas within art and this like trying to find some sort of connection in a society that's becoming um, increasingly like uh, disconnected and disaffected and um, you know isolated from others as like the way that society itself is structured. Um, and then there, you know, there's a moment where Kagami catches up and then, uh, Makashima actually speaks to him and says, say, what do you think, Kagami, after this, will you be able to find a replacement for me? Uh, Kagami replies, well, I sure hope not, which in some ways feels like this response of like, um, yeah, almost dismissal and like, uh, you know, I hope it ends with, with you here and like, like rejection, there's a. There is a way to read Kogami as seeking just like revenge for the death of his partner or whatever. And one of the issues that I've seen, I haven't seen like, I haven't read too much about like later seasons, but one of the issues I've seen from people who don't like later seasons is that they do simplify Kogami's like feelings about Makashima as being purely about revenge. And I think Mm -hmm. that like his connection and his like uh, desire is actually more than the dismissal here might suggest Yeah. that also the, well, I sure hope not is also a, like a, a affirmation. Yes. In fact, that like the relationship that he has with Makashima is a unique one. Um, and this is what like Makashima wants is to have like a, an irreplaceable connection to have this thing that is like breaking through the, the isolation and the, uh, disconnection and the like disaffection of modern society um and also his like foundational uh i don't i don't even know what the the word is for it but this foundational denial of his humanity that mm-hmm. has like set him down this path uh yeah and been like the the like pain or like trauma not to not to overuse this word but um that this like uh this wound uh that has like set him down this path yeah but but also that like i think within his eyes and i think i would agree with him this is why i say makashima is the the true hero a psychopath um that this like dehumanization that he has endured is happening to everyone, just not necessarily as keenly or as painfully. Yes. Um, but that everyone in this society is undergoing this. Again, he says everyone is alone. Everyone is empty. People no longer have need of others. Like everyone has become um, itemized, has become uh, objectified in and the reduced. way that like the civil system wants to reduce and objectify him into a component in the machine. Um, of like monitoring and running society rather than like, uh, actually truly valuing what he has. They only value him in the way that they can instrumentalize him. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's happened to him. And that is not what he wants. Yeah. It, it's happened to him in this most extreme way of like a fundamental denial, uh, that like reduces him uh entirely there's like a complete denial of humanity uh but that denial like makes him aware in a way that uh he like then perceives that the same mechanism is like operating like this is like the nature of the civil system so the same mechanism is operating like generally 
amongst everyone, uh, but just in maybe this like, uh, you know, this lesser degree uh, where people are like recognized as citizens, but they're like the consequences of uh, this like mechanism of objectification or whatever uh, are still like present um, and causing all of these problems. Yeah. Um, and so then again, it, you know, and this is then the moment where like they have this true connection and this true connection is like that no one other than Kagami would be the one to kill him. Um, and this is why this scene is gayer than Yoyoi and Kananomori because from, at least from all we've seen, Kananomori, uh, can be within this like arrangement a replacement for what was it rena um yeah the, the like other relationships that she had that there was like a replaceability there for yoyoi uh in the way that does not exist here um that this is like something uh again like unique or irreplaceable and and to me this is the heart of uh sad cop yaoi <laughs> Uh, i love it (laughs) um and again like i i think in the you know i'm reiterating makashima is the hero um the ending with like kogami there reading the book and everything um is also this sort of recognition of like something fundamentally having changed by Makashima not being able to like do this for everyone in society, but still to have like affected someone in this way, um, to have been able to like bring about this change in at least one heart. Um, I'm not going to go into more detail here, but like, uh, a big, like end of Utena, uh, vibes for me in that, like, uh, the revolution happening in at least one heart is still like valuable. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, uh, I'll add one more to that. Uh, one more thought to like affirm that, um, which is, uh, you just, I mean, building on everything that you said around, uh, Makashima's when he says, you know, I couldn't imagine anyone else killing me. Um, and all the meaning contained in that, uh, I'm also recalling his conversation with Toma where he talks about uh, you know, part of his rejection of the civil system is like, you know, he, he disagrees with it on every level. <laughs> uh, uh, well, it's multifaceted yeah. rejection. Um, uh, it, but one of the things that he says is that, um, you know, I, I don't agree with like removing myself uh, from the like process of life. And this game of life. Um, and he says, I love this game of life from the bottom of my heart. And I want to go on like living as long as I can. Uh, Makashima loves life. Uh, he loves living. And so his acceptance of Kogami like killing him in this moment. And I do read it as an acceptance. Uh, yeah. Because there's a piece uh, that I think is conveyed. Uh, that tells us that this fulfillment that he's getting from re- from this relationship with Kogami and realizing it in this way is something that has higher value than life for him. Yeah. 
Um, and I think, you know, we can talk about, oh, well, he's not going to get away, like, blah, blah, blah. There, there are these, like, you know, plot-based uh, explanations that you can say, well, he doesn't have any choice um, but to accept it. Uh, but I think the stronger interpretation, the more supported interpretation here, um, based on all the other stuff leading up to this, uh, is that, like, Makashima does not, like... Like, this is the outcome that he wants. Uh, like, at least in this moment. Yeah. Like, this is the outcome that he wants. Um, and that it, uh, this is like, uh, this fundamental fulfillment that is the highest, uh, the highest thing for him. Um, yeah. And I think this well, is. Well, I mean, it, it also ties in with, um, one, we, we can think a little bit about like uh the what Toyahisa um mm-hmm. Singuji earlier. Um and sort of like the this confront this uh him like denying the denying the body, the soul should be free from the body and everything, but then having like this moment of like the uh actual enjoyment of like life is a thing that you like confront in death. Um, and then also tying that to like, are you afraid of dying even after obtaining the omnipotence of God? Um, this like assertion of death as like a, both a fundamental part of being human and also a fundamental part of life. Um, and something that that has meaning that's not to be like, that can't be, uh, like dispensed with or can't be excluded. Yeah. Um, and so again, like also specifically to have like his death be meaningful because it is like tied to this, uh, deep relationship and this like irreplaceable relationship. Um, also being like, I think that is important to that love of life that he has. Um, I think is also part of what, what is like inherent in this moment. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, and this may just be recapitulating what we've uh, already said, but um, the realization of this recognition uh, that's like been denied to him uh, is it like, is this like completion of meaning uh, for him? Like in this way. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to like approach this from, from a slightly different uh angle for a minute uh so the the makashima kagami relationship um i think there's more to be said about it uh and i kind of want to approach it from a slightly different angle um i'm interested in the so throughout the show um this relationship is described to us in these like deterministic uh terms um you know they there's the quotation of uh, they were not ships passing in the night. Uh, they understood each other better than anyone else, and each was focused solely on the other. Uh, and I think there's a dawning... Well, it's also pointed out many times uh, to Kagami uh, and Wakashima by the other characters uh, that they're obsessed with one another. Um, Wakashima accepts it right away and recognizes it. Uh, and Kagami, it, it seems to dawn on him more <laughs> as, uh, 
Yeah. Like the actual conscious realization of this seems to dawn on him more as uh, as the series progresses uh, to the point where Saiga like fr- kind of forces the issue and is like, no, you are obsessed with this guy. Um, uh, but anyway, the determinism is, is um, interesting to me in that uh, it makes me want to ask, you know, if this determinism is rooted in likeness um, or partially rooted in, in their likeness to one another, uh, then what's the nature of this likeness? Uh, and the first thing I'll, I'll offer here is uh, Kogami's status as an enforcer uh, and then Makashima uh, being this uh, a criminal, essentially. Um, I, there's something inherently self-destructive about the enforcer role uh, in this world, in the sense that, uh, from the perspective of, of Sybil, enforcers are defined by their likeness to criminals, right? Like they're latent criminals; yeah. they're seen as the same, the same category of person or unperson. <laughs> or whatever they are. Um, and yet, uh, unlike the criminals, uh, they occupy this other position in society uh, where that position is uh, defined by them uh, having the sole purpose of eliminating or killing other criminals. Uh, so doing violence to themselves, in essence. Um, and I find this, uh, interesting because, uh, so much is made of Kogami and Makashima, um, being a mirror for one another, understanding one another, uh, being like one another. Uh, and then this deterministic pull of their relationship is this pull towards violence. Uh, and eventually Kogami killing, uh, Makashima is like how it's realized. Uh, and moreover, Kogami understands it as... Uh, he has to kill Makashima. Um, but in a certain way, this is Kogami doing uh, this violence to himself. Um, himself as reflected by back by Makashima through whatever this uh, deterministic, uh, you know, likeness is. Uh, but then more, uh, you know, more uh, practically speaking, uh, doing violence to himself by committing this killing, uh, where now like he's uh, he's jeopardizing his own life uh, because you know the civil system wants him executed. Um, pursuing this whole path, uh, like in and of itself, is is endangering him and doing this violence to himself. Um, so I think there's. I'll, I'll just offer that. <laughs> uh, yeah. First, first of all, uh, I don't know if that um, if that makes any sense uh, immediately to you. Yeah, I mean, for me, and in, in, in some of the way that I read this, maybe some of this is is coming from my particular life experiences, and you know. Um, I'm, I'm not joking when I say that, like, 
Kagami killing Makashima is the gayest thing in the show. Um, but I'm, I'm going to try and break that down a little bit more from like the slightly uh, cheeky, maybe a little bit dismissive way of saying it. Um, <clears throat> it is the most deviant relationship in the show uh, that we see displayed. Um, it, it is a relationship that uh, pushes both of these characters towards decisions that fly in the face not only of like society as it stands but also um you know traditional like self-preservation um and this is where i'm like responding to the stuff around like the the way that there's something self-destructive or um you know that Kugami is also senten- sentencing himself to uh, at least within the eyes of society death uh, even if in that direct moment it is not you know he's he not dies literally dying as well yeah. yeah um but he is like in that way marked for death by society um and so it, it is specifically this like valuing of that relationship um over all else or uh, you know, I I think there are still like core beliefs that Makashima has, and that uh in this moment become confirmed within Kogami, um. But that those core beliefs are inherently a belief in like the value of uh connection between humans and recognition between humans, um. And so as as much as like their relationship feels odd to describe as love, uh, the, the intensity, I think there's even a line, uh, I forget if it, I forget if this comes up or if I'm mixing this with something I've been reading, um, short stories from Terry Yamashuji, uh, that have just fully convinced me that Utena would not exist without Terry Yamashuji, <laughs> uh, cause they're all like based on myths, but I feel like there's some sort of comment about like uh, the opposite of, of love is not hate. It is indifference um, that like in a way that intensity of emotion uh, of love or of hate. Um, and, you know, one might describe more conventionally the relationship be- between Kagami and Makashima as hate, at least like from Kagami's perspective uh, side or perspective. Yeah. Uh, but that it it is like, I, I think it is Makashima who says this, that, like, you know, the opposite is, like, this indifference or this, like, lack of recognition. Um, that it is, like, this intensity of the relationship, this intensity of um, connection and, like, relationship between these characters. Uh, where, again, it might it might seem odd to describe it as love, and yet, in some ways, it, it takes such primacy within their lives um, above all else that it's like, it's hard to think of within, within like, uh, my day to day life, the, the kind of feeling and connection that would exist, uh, they would supersede these things to such an extent, um, that isn't at least in some way akin to love. Um, and so uh, there is also that, like, that sort of recognition here. And, and so I think that's, Again, part of the way that I read, uh, I mean, we talked about the the other ways that like death is intertwined with life that I think is being brought up here. Um, but again, I think there is also this like 
you know, what is Makashima priming is more valuable than life. And it is like specifically this relationship and this like um, achievement of some sort of goal to, to break through the society that like uh, dehumanizes and depersonalizes and disconnects and um, all of that to, to have this like genuine human connection with another person. Um, and yeah, so there's even like if a, it is like this hatred intermingled yeah. with other things there's something like even if deeper it's, in that it's, hatred that is like extremely yeah. meaningful or in or or i would push more toward like even if it is this thing that like leads to death or that leads to destruction um and we we have seen ways in which it it leads to the destruction of you know this push, this desire to like create connections in society has pushed Makashima to bring about the destruction of other lives, um, bring about crime and, and all of that. Yeah. Uh, he, he's here like prepared to destroy crops that will, uh, definitely result that, in loss of life. Yeah. That will definitely result in loss of life. It will also result in like pushing, uh, Japan to, form these relationships with other countries that they've cut themselves off from. Uh, it'll, it'll, you know, part of the whole, like, how would this destroy the civil system? Um, it's not just that it would be like this failure of food source that would cause life loss of life and maybe like, uh, disharmony or, or, uh, you know, More political rioting. upset. Yeah. Yeah. Writing and stuff, but that it also it would lead to increased, uh, connection with other countries because it would require the import of food um, in order to address this problem. And with the import of food, it would require opening the borders to allow, you know, trade to occur. And when you allow trade to incur, you also like encourage immigration. And when you encourage immigration, you bring in other people who have not been raised in the society and, you know, might question it more in other ways. And, all of these things are, are also sort of inherent in it, but uh, it's also still let's destroy the crops as a destructive impulse and a destructive impulse that will lead to loss of life. Um, and so of course, in it's like uh, final moments, it, it, that also becomes the turning in of the self of like the, the willingness to destroy the self in the pursuit of this. Um, when the pursuit of this is to have like a uh, genuine connection with others and like genuine meaning to life. Um that that is like more valuable than to, to live on a life where you lack that connection, where you lack that sense of meaning. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's how I kind of read all of that, that destructive impulse and, and Kogami taking that on being also a recognition of there is something more important to me than, than death of the preservation, pres uh, preservation of life. And, and in some ways it is like the thing that makes val life worth living or the thing that, um, you know, whatever it is that I would prize more than life, that that in and of itself is something that like is valuable to life. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think you brought out, um, the other dimension of this, which is, um, you know, previously we talked about whether you look at it, whether you do this Hegelian analysis um, or this Rousseauian analysis um, of the idea of recognition in the show and then how that relates to Makashiva. Um, I think we see that like the violence is arising out of this lack of recognition. 
Um, and so Makashima is like doing this violence. Now, I don't want to ignore questions about his agency within this, so but I'm going to set those aside. Um, a part like of why he's doing this violence is because you know of these of this like deprivation that you know of recognition that we've talked about. Um, and then taking that along with, you know, um, Kogami has also been constructed into this category that within the system is inherently violent, um, as an enforcer. Um, yeah. so he too, like has, is humanity has been reduced, uh, in this way that is like necessitating him doing this violence. Um, and there's, there's a connection there. Uh, that's another, you know, component of, of this connection. Uh, but Makashima, you know, one way of reading this, uh, in addition to, to what we've discussed, um, this is perhaps a kind of release. Um, like not only is it this like fulfillment, uh, and this, uh, moment of like creation of meaning for Makashima, um, but it's also, you know, like he gets to realize this thing that the deprivation of that thing is what was, you know, spurring him on, <laughs> uh, to do these violent actions. Um, and I think, you know, Makashima has like the ending that Makashima wants for Makashima. Uh, yeah. but with, with that in mind, um, I think Kogami is really the most tragic character in the show. Um, because he has this fulfillment with Makashima. Uh, but that, I think the way that that fulfillment is operating for him, uh, to, to his, in his conscious awareness, at least, uh, is, is different in, is different from how it's operating for Makashima and also ends with like Makashima's death. So Kogami yeah. now has to carry on, uh, with no replacement for Makashima. Uh, yeah. and also like still in this category, uh, maybe not the category of enforcer anymore because he can't, he's, he's not doing that. Uh, but he's been completely dislocated from the system. Um, so now he uh, is in a position that is more similar to Makashima's in a way uh, because he is existing completely outside. Um, but he also, I think leading into this, uh, you know, he, Kogami doesn't believe in the system either. And he's like conscious of all of these crimes and injustices of Sybil uh, but does not like act against Sybil, right? Like he's ultimately, uh, you know, he's protecting Sybil, you know, he's concerned about Makashima not realizing his plan, destabilizing the system, uh, and so on. Uh, so he hasn't like adopted this adversarial 
uh, stance uh, towards Sybil. And instead, he, like, displaces that aggression uh, onto Makashima. But now that Makashima's dead, uh, you know, he still has, like, the Sybil system has, uh, you know, committed all of these uh, offenses and uh, wounds against him. Uh, but he's not really, like, in a position of addressing the Sybil system. He's kind of left with nothing. Uh, yeah. In in this like blank, in this like space of deprivation, uh, that's open ended and open end and f- for the reason that's open ended, I think that's like he's kind of the key because where Akane ends up is much more clear. Where Makashima ends up is very clear. Where Akane ends up is very clear. Kogami is open ended, and he's kind of in the middle of these two, uh, like of these two spaces. Uh, so I think the fact yeah. that his is he ends in this space is tragic, but then the open ended thing is a key for like where wherever this show is going to go next <laughs> uh, needs to happen there. I feel like, yeah, um, and you know at the the risk of reiterating things too. I think um, there some of the tragedy of Kogami as well is like as you're saying. Um, for both Makashima and Kogami, like the the thing the the response or the like way to exist in this world is presented to both of them is violence. Um, like as an enforcer, Kogami's existence is is uh, marked or like predicated on committing violence, um, and Makashima gets that release, but Kogami does not. But also in this position, at least where we leave Kogami off now, and and maybe in you know the reading of Swan's Way is this the suggestion that eventually uh, he might go the way of Makashima, but that like Makashima's violence, um, you know, as much as someone might object to the, his methods or his means or like the violence itself, um, as we talked about, is still like a, a violence that has at its core like the these very specific political and uh, almost like philosophical and ethical uh things around them um that he is like you know approaching i think crime as an art to like enact change in society um and that provides some sort of meaning to that violence and kogami where we leave him off like uh, he's still marked as like a thing for violence. Um, either, you know, he's described as like a, a wild dog that has become a wolf um, by Gino. And I don't think like necessarily, you know, Akane would assert like the humanity of Kogami, but still I think Gino is standing in for a certain amount of like the way that society would view him is like as this inherent uh, wolf is like this inherent violent danger in so much of like uh folklore and mythology, the wolf is like the embodiment of the the danger of the woods or whatever, mm-hmm. and like all that that carries. Um, it is like the er violent danger that exists out there, which is very similar um, to the uh, I'll, I'll just I want to sneak in here, like, <laughs> it's very similar to the construction of like crime and criminals in uh, mm. in the world of psychopaths. Where it's like yeah. this cordoned off, like nether 
region that's like dangerous because it's like this other, other uh and yeah. you can't like cross these uh these boundaries um but where we leave him off he does not have like uh any makashima had like turned that violence towards some sort of other thing um and we don't know if kugami has gotten there and so i think one that's part of the tragedy is that he is like left with the violence but without like necessarily the the direction of what that is um and then i think the other thing is uh you know we talked about like this loss of this irreplaceable relationship um but also i i want to return to his response of well i sure hope not um which i think also contains almost within it the the fear that in him live living on that relationship could be replaced. And so as meaningful and as irreplaceable as it was for Makashima, that there would be a tragedy in that as well, because it would not then be true for Kogami, um, that that was an irreplaceable relationship, um, that there might be another who will come along and, you know, to return to my, uh, hammering how gay this is, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, there, there's also sometimes that tragedy in like people who will lose like their loved one, and eventually you might move on and find love again. And there's like a certain joy in there, but there's also always like difficulty around the here's this other person. And now like, am I replacing them or, or what's happening here? Um, and that's also like a, a, I think a little bit of a tragedy in here. And this as well is Makashima and his death has this like, uh, surety this like uh full confidence that this is this irreplaceable thing and this is just this relationship this like genuine relationship that he has formed that he cannot replace unlike so many other uh relationships that exist in society and kogami is just left with the hope that 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 cannot be replaced um and so i think that's also a, a part of the tragedy of kogami as a character yeah um, um. I think we would be remiss to ignore. I think this is where you maybe bring in Kogami and Kogami's relationship with Akane and especially mm. their final um, conversations because that and, provides. And to emphasize the way that early in the series, there's a lot made of um, Akane's connection with Kogami, the ways that they are perhaps similar. Um, like this is a thing that comes up in the conversation that she's having with her friends. And when she goes and talks to not spooky boogie, but the magician guy who I forgot Ta- the name talisman. of, cause he's not talisman. He's no spooky boogie. No, <laughs> um, it doesn't, it doesn't have quite the same, uh, phonetic appeal. Yeah. Um, but that's also a, a thing that's sort of emphasized and maybe and also uh, a certain tragedy with like both Akane and Kagami is like um, the breakdown of that relationship. Yeah. And I think there's just as much to be said for Akane and Kogami probably as Kogami and Makashima. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go back to the very beginning, which is, uh, there's something that I said was very important back at the beginning and then never really uh, elaborated on <laughs> or grounded why I think it's important. Um, and we have, and it's the scene of Akane shooting Kogami. Yeah. Um, the reason I never elaborated on it is because I didn't really like, 
I hadn't decided why I thought it was important. Um, I just noticed that it seemed to be. Uh, the stuff we get in the final episodes, I think, is is clearing this up a little bit for me. Where Akane shooting Kogami. In this moment of shooting him, she's stopping him from enacting from this kind of like blindly enacting this violence towards this person who, even though Sybil says, you know, to kill her, uh, like should not be killed. Um, and so by shooting him and stopping him, she is essentially replacing this like coercion and conditioning that has happened to him from Sybil to do this violence uh, with like a space for him to exercise this judgment or, or like will um, or like freedom in some way. Uh, And then, you know, I think this is reinforced by the conversation they have immediately after where Kogami is like, no, you were right. I feel like I can be a detective again with you. Um, so there's this potential that's like marked between Akane and Kugami that is then set in clear opposition, uh, to, uh, the relationship between Kugami and Makashima, which is, you know, it's Kugami killing Makashima and Akane is trying to like prevent this. Um, and the episodes we're covering right now, uh, she even, she even makes this connection explicit by saying, promise me that you will be a detective like you said you could be when, uh, you know, when we first started working together. Um, and then that moment having all of this meaning for Akane, uh, for her to like develop her character and her positions. Um, but she tries to like make him promise this, but this is mutually exclusive uh, to Akane uh, it's mutually exclusive with like killing Makashima. Um, yeah. And like these two different spaces, I, I think are important. Um, and then, you know, we can connect this back to uh, the final conversation between Kogami and Akane, where Akane is advancing her, like her hope for, Basically, her perspective being, you know, we're going to maintain the civil system, but even maintaining the civil system, uh, there I have this hope that, like, you know, it, it can eventually be replaced with uh, a just system. Like, fine. like Akane recognizes it's not a just system, uh, but she seems to believe that leaving it in place. Uh, will enable replacing it with a just system more than destroying it <laughs> will enable it being replaced with a just system. Yeah. Uh, and in the course of this argument, she's like, I think she actually makes a, a, a complicated argument um, that would take time to, to parse out. Um but uh, where she's like, uh, I think I have the, the quotation here. 
um, if I can find it. Um, oh yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so she refuses to allow Makashima to be killed because it's illegal. <laughs> um, and at first you're like, this isn't much of a position. Uh, yeah. what's the value of the law in the system? We've just like had 22 episodes of how fucked up this, <laughs> the, and illegitimate this regime, this regime is or unjust. Uh, but then she goes on to argue, uh, the law doesn't protect people. People protect the law. Uh, people have always detested evil and sought out a righteous way of living. The law is the accumulation of those people's feelings. Uh, there are neither the provisions nor the system. Uh, and uh, that law is a is the prayer of people for a better world. Uh, and allowing it to break down is betraying that hope. Um, this reminds me a lot of Rousseau's idea of general will, uh, which itself is hard to parse. Um, but basically he has this idea that there's a thing called general will, which is required in order for any state to be uh, just or legitimate. Um, and that the general will is this uh, collective transcendent desiring of all of the cit- citizenry uh, for the good of all. Um, insofar as, you know, individuals are part of, of the collective. Uh, and there's a recognition of uh, that things that are good for the collective are good for the individual, even as individuals have these like diverging interests uh, themselves, they may be conflicting with uh, the interest of, of your neighbor or whatever. Um, there's also like an overarching goodness, uh, uh, a social or like political goodness that can somehow uh, be distinguished from that uh, and is and transcend that. And uh, that the exact process of how this happens is fuzzy, um, but that somehow this this general will provides a framework. Uh, for law itself. Um, and then, you know, within that framework, you have uh, perhaps different laws with different contents, uh, you know, specific laws and provisions applying to certain things uh, or specific like forms of government um, that can be different, uh, perhaps. Uh, but and uh, that can be different, but perhaps according uh, with this general will. Um, and again, like this is a, not- a notoriously uh, hotly debated conception, but given that Rousseau has been brought in once already um, and seems yeah. to be a reference point, I-, I think that this is where like, I think this is a good, uh, uh, like, text. Uh, it's the social contract, by the way, um, where this yeah. is, comes out more uh, in Rousseau's writing, um, or it's formulated most like explicitly there. Uh, I think this is kind of undergirding like uh, Akane's arguments here, um, and then Kogami uh, says if there ever comes a time when everyone feels that way, the civil system will probably disappear. 
uh, which is very cheeky because uh, Kagami is basically being like, you know, in political philosophy, one of the biggest problems with this general will idea is like, is this even possible? Uh, and there's some people who think that Rousseau's whole point is that like no state is legitimate because this like it's like somehow not possible for this to come into being in this way that's legitimate. Um, so it's kind of like this long shot uh, and Kogami being like, oh, yeah, well, if the general will like is actually a thing, then we would get a legitimate state. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of this cheeky response. Um but also I think we need, we can take this at face value as like a, for the characters themselves. Um, and, and that there is maybe a path here, uh, for Kogami as well with this like hope. Yeah. The, the, and there's a way that, um, this also has parallels with, I, I think some of, um, like Zhuang Zhe's writings about the ordering of society. Um, and he's coming from, especially within within his time, I think sort of a what will he's sometimes described as like an early anarchist. Uh, I think there's also mm-hmm. ways that um, that Taoist thought has a lot of parallels with like later communist development. Um, but there is a certain approach or or idea around like utopia or like the the just and correct and. Um, you know, best form of like social organization being one in which the every individual. And again, I like, I think that when Zhuang Zhe talks about this is presenting it in a certain cheeky, like this, obviously this is like a, a, a impossible dream in the way that Zhuang Zhe talks about all sorts of dreams and, you know, reality being made of dreams. Um, but this idea that like if if every person understood the place within society where like uh they would be best taken care of and where they would be best able to take care of others and if everyone just understood that and put themselves within that place within society then society would function and run perfectly um and whenever Zhuangzi talks about that it is always within this sort of like uh he is on the fringes and he is talking about like this, like very hierarchical ordered society that is not run this way at all. Um, and you know, obviously does not seem to believe that like within his life, that time that's going to happen even within (laughs) any lifetime. Um, but it is also sort of making this core argument that part of finding some sort of utopian society, uh, does involve like you as the person who has that goal in mind trying to seek that out because even if it is not like uh in and of itself fixing society it will still be like improving your condition and the condition of those around you um and this is the way that i think that like certain Taoist thought can then more lean into like communist ideas as well um and i think there's like ways that a lot of that stuff would would develop over time um but anyway, I think there's also a certain amount of that happening here as well. This, like, if everyone yeah. just knew the best place to be, if everyone just had the correct feelings, then, like, yes, yeah, society would, would organize itself perfectly. Yeah. Um, and Akane yeah. believing that, like, the individuals in society, like, are desiring this, like, goodness. 
that like this desiring is yeah. happening is like happening and it's like manifesting in like law itself is like the manifestation of that even as like uh, as she says like the provisions so i take that to mean specific laws uh or the system care like enforcing the law uh is not like the same thing uh so those two things can be different and maybe not in accordance with like uh this like spirit of the law <laughs> if we'll call it yeah uh but this like spirit of the law is the thing that she's like placing her hope in um that uh you know eventually that this like collective uh willing for like goodness in a better world uh will allow well first of all that it's not uh that this is not like utterly suppressed by Sybil. I think that's the one of the the most important claims that she's ending up like making. Uh is that like as long as people are alive, um, and that there is like some sort of recognizable society or order that people can live ideally in peace within, uh that like this striving and desiring is will continue happening um in spite of like any imposition from a you know no matter how totalitarian the state is uh and i think this is a very strong claim from her because psychopaths is basically presenting us with like uh an extremely powerful invasive totalitarian state um that's assaulting yeah. subjectivity at the, uh, at this base level um, that is uh, invading and concerning itself with the contents of human minds uh, and, and, you know, exercising control to shape and order people's, you know, actual minds um, and so on and so on. All of these, like, really frightening things. Uh, and Akane is still, like, you know... Uh, believing that, you know, even that can't, can't completely uh, eliminate people's potential to, um, you know, to eventually overturn the system, to imagine a new one. And then all the steps in between, <laughs> uh, it, it is very Rousseauian because it's like, yo, Kane, there's a lot of steps that are going to need to happen <laughs> uh, in between all of the, like these things, there's a lot of pro like problems um that would need to to be addressed in order to get there um yeah but she's just like kind of uh you know believing in the possibility of it uh and that is you know leading her to these uh conclusions um and i don't know uh, kagami does not seem convinced and clearly he isn't because then he shoots makashima <laughs> uh yeah but I think her position is important. I don't know if it's, um, well, we can evaluate it, uh, in, in conjunction with, um, you know, some of the other positions that we have here, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, two things I'll say about it. one, I think a way that like her position is significantly different from something like Zhuangzi, um, is that I think 
there's this core of like uh, the necessity of protecting the law that we cannot let the law falter because to like let the law falter is to like betray the hope for a better world that the law itself represents. Um, which I, I think is just something that like uh, Zhuang Zhe would seemingly from the stuff that I've read is like uh, very indifferent to the laws, at least mm-hmm. um, not necessarily uh to the extent of Makashima of like constantly trying to break the laws. Um, but you know, a lot of his stuff involves like, uh, also a reframing of like, why, why is this stuff important? Um, there's the story of like, uh, them coming to him and saying like, Oh, you should, you should be, a uh, you know, essentially a advisor to the emperor or whatever, you know, you'll come and you'll like, uh, read the fortunes on various things and like predict things for the kingdom and all of that. Um, and Zhuang Zhe, who's sitting in the mud, just like uh, chilling, hanging out. Um, you know, they're like, you can like, you can like go and sit in the finery of the the like emperor's castle or whatever. You know, it's like temple, uh, all of this kind of stuff. And then he sort of says, uh, you know. Well, look here in the mud, like, there are these turtles. Don't you take these turtles to that palace and, like, kill them and then read the, the like, markings within the shell to, like, predict what the, the future harvests are going to be? And they're like, yes. <laughs> uh, and he says, you know, don't you think that these turtles would rather wallow here in the mud than go into the palace and be killed to, like, <laughs> determine the future? Yeah. <laughs> um, be turned into so this I, material yeah. that, like, sustains this regime. Yes. Um, and I, and I think like the show itself has a certain, um, you know, counter or at least challenge or complication to, uh, I think there's a, a way watching this where it could be easy to, and I'm sure plenty of people who watch the series simply read Akane as having the correct take in all of this, mm-hmm. uh, because she is presented to us as the primary protagonist of the story. And, you know, uh, if you are not, paying close attention or if you're not thinking hard about these things that like in and of itself can propel you. Uh, if you're not predisposed to like the sicko, like we are. Yeah. (laughs) But I I think also the, the series like intentionally challenges her by having that. And it it still gives her the moment to like, uh, have her little quip at the civil system. But that moment of her meeting with the civil system after everything. And they're like, we're disappointed in you or whatever. Um, has that certain amount of like showing you the danger of this position that she has, which is that you, you remain um, more so than, than, you know, Makashima, they came and said, you'll be valued, valuable to us. And he said, fuck no, I'm going to whip a book at your face. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas here, Akane, <clears throat> Great, greatest as, moment, such a good, yeah. such a good part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Meanwhile, Akane, even as she is pushing against the system, is still saying, yes, I will remain a valuable tool for you to, like, you know, be a part of this organization. Um, I I might hold firm to my belief that, like, uh, you know, this thing uh, that she says of, um, do you know what the most demeaning thing you can do to the law is? Creating and administering a law that is unworthy of protection, essentially implying that, like, Sybil itself is the thing that is unworthy uh, or or will become unworthy of protection with time. Um, you know, don't underestimate humans. One day someone will come to this room and turn off the power. Uh, we will find a better way in the future. Um, 
but she's not that person. She will continue to like perpetuate the system because she believes that the the law and the order provided by the system currently is more valuable than uh, the chaos that would happen from like a, a more large scale challenge to it. Uh, again, she's taking a very like, um, I'm going to be the change within the system. Um, I'm going to like, uh, push things gradually, uh, sort of like incremental idea around it. Um, reformist. But it's, it's, Although I don't yeah, know if it's but, entirely fair to call it reformist because she's like imagining the system being replaced wholesale. Yeah. Like she doesn't think the system's just, but, but, but like, she, yeah, but she also yeah. still seems to believe that, like, in order to get to the point where this the system is entirely replaced, you also have to, like, push it to some extent where it will become obsolete or it will become, uh, you know, that, be, that, like, pe- that yeah. there will be a broader turning against it because there will be something else already there to, like, take its place uh, to some extent. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and it, it really frames how much that like, that is a danger because the system is (laughs) that she, she is in some ways already one of the brains in the jars. It's just more valuable if the brain is in a human body walking around, uh, and like being one of the tasks of how can we convert people? Yeah. Yeah. And the show underscores that danger by like, you know, you have this horror, horror movie laughing, uh, from the Sybil system when she like delivers this uh, rebuke and then the Sybil like says explicitly like your perspective that's is great because it's going to allow us to prevent the exact outcome that you're hoping for (laughs) by like further, you know, using this apparatus that like using this apparatus that the specifics of and like the specific consequences of Akane is kind of sidestepping like this apparatus may in fact like uh, prevent what, you know, this, this dream that she has uh, or this like improvement that she's hoping for, um, you know, because of all the reasons that we've gotten right. Like, Akane yeah. never refutes. I don't think any of Makashima's uh, critiques of the system are actually refuted. Um, like, per se. Now, Akane yeah. actually basically agrees with them <laughs> um, and has no refutation. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, kind of uh, introduces this parallel you know, line of argumentation, which is basically saying, okay, well, even with that, you know, we can still overcome this. Um, But the show is really pulling us back to like, to uh, this dilemma of everything Makashima has pointed out, like that isn't uh, fundamentally wrong with the system. Um, And then the consequences of that, like the power it's holding and then what that means for everyone living under it. Um, you know, can it use Akane to, uh, to actually completely totalize, uh, its control in this way? Um, or is it true that like this, you know, more transcendent conception of 
um, law and like human collective willing uh, is is just still like you know can't possibly be eradicated, <laughs> uh, which is kind of you know Akane's yeah. uh, it's a quasi religious uh, viewpoint almost. Um, but to Akane's credit, well, maybe I shouldn't frame it like that. Um, I kind of want to pivot to Makashima for a second. Um, um, can I, can I get, have a jumping stone to get to Makashima or, or do you want to yes. complete a thought? Oh um, no, go for it. Jumping stones are, are I, uh, I think are it is an interesting to, to, to create this love triangle. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, Akane and the, the relationship with Kogami, um, there is perhaps like a, a certain amount of, even though I don't think she is the one who will, who will be the person who will come in and turn off this room someday, or, you know, the power in the room, uh, shut down the Sybil system. She did create the space for one Kogami to, start reapprising this like relationship to violence that he had kind of accepted and just fully taken on. Mm. Um, and then also create the, have the trust and create the space to allow him to escape. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which in (laughs) some ways is a, a betrayal of his, of his trait of, of her trust. Um, but is also an enactment of the like trust that she put in him, to make his own judgments about what to do and his own judgments are moving more towards Makashima, even if he maybe hasn't fully gotten to, you know, what Makashima was doing that like of all of the characters that exist in this world currently that we have seen, um, Kogami is the one who I would, if I had to put my money on anybody to be the person who would go in and shut down the system, like currently existing, it would be Kogami right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and you know that that it him him taking on that position in my mind is both like um Ayane providing that space, but then it also that space enabling that like growing relationship with Makashima. Yeah. Um and Kogami existing in between Akane and Makashima, and then having this blank space, and then that being maybe us maybe feeling like that's uh a, sp- a space for the show to move forward. It makes sense. Cause if we move this to an even higher level, uh, or like, I guess a more, um, abstract. Akane and Makashima are this kind of, they're this, these two philosophical positions that are existing on opposite ends where, you know, we've just gone over Akane's position. So yeah. I don't need to recapitulate that just yet. Um, but Makashima's position is, you know, first of all, he's identifying, uh, all of the issues with Sybil, why it's not just that much, that one is, uh, that argument's pretty much a slam dunk, um, (laughs) why it's not legitimate, um, which, you know, again, I think he has, uh, some, some very strong arguments that, uh, are not refuted, uh, for that. Uh, and so therefore, you know, it, he wants to destroy civil, um, because of all, all these reasons, 
Um, but he doesn't purport to, he, he's also not forward looking. Like his position isn't forward looking. It's back. It's uh, oriented towards the past in that he doesn't purport to at offer at any point what is going to replace the civil system or like what's the new regime going to look like? Um, how are we going to reform the government afterwards? So on and so forth. Um, Very tearing out my shoe in this way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he seems to think if the best way that I can articulate his position seems to be that uh, the civil system is this distorting influence um, that is, uh, you know, it's it's this totalizing, distorting influence that's distorting uh, humanity and human potential, uh, and then you know everything that follows from that, which is everything in human society, um, and that it is this kind of terminal. Uh, this terminal problem. Uh, and by destroying it, it's, he seems to think that, uh, so yes, there will be chaos um, and there will be violence. Uh, that much he acknowledges um, and like desires. Uh, but first of all, even in ca- the, that chaos and violence, uh, something like, true and you know again these are i'll use these in scare quotes um but something true meaningful and human uh is restored and operative uh in that in the chaos um such as in the rioting you know he's he's kind of reveling in the rioting and uh in in that violence um that this in of itself is an improvement (laughs) <laughs> because it's restoring uh, humanity uh, in in this way, um, but then he also seems to think that uh, there's go once the like imposition of the civil system is removed, there's going to be some sort of organic, uh, you know, return to uh, some sort of past state of everyday everyday people doing uh, everyday things. Uh, in the various ways that he like describes it, um, yeah. So he doesn't offer any like concrete vision of what comes next. It's more about like, you know, returning to this this past before the civil system, um, and that like, you know, if these human elements are like allowed to operate again, there will be this kind of organic restoration of some sort. Um, and then, you know, that exists in, uh, in direct opposition to Akane, which is her position is entirely future oriented um, and more uh, in addition to being opposed by, like, you know, pr- prioritizing law and order and peace and all that. Um, it is more like future oriented, uh, imagining something that comes after the civil system. Uh, and that there, that's actually even a possibility. Yeah. Um, so there's like, there's a core tension there. And then Kogami is like in this middle, <laughs> uh, in the middle of this uh, wavering somewhere, it seems like. Yeah. 
I would also say, like, from what we know of Makashima, some of it is also um, this recognition that, like, the and this belief on his part that, like, the the um, disconnection and the like alienation of this modern state of society, um, and also from like what the actual systems of governments uh, governance are, what like what the justice is like a number and is a color and things like that. And are, and is not like, um, actual things that human beings are thinking about daily. Uh, the, you know, the, the average humans who occupy life they are they have no concern for this. Uh, the system, you know, quote unquote, takes care of it for you. Um, and, so in some ways, I think this this idea that he has of like a return to a, a previous time, um, there is a way in which some of it is a, uh, inherently like nostalgic or um, looking to the past. I think this is also emphasized in some ways by his like uh, fixation on physical books and things like that. Um, but also, I think centers around this idea of like trying to reset to a state where uh the average humans in society have to make judgments about the people around them yeah um, the power to, of choice like, and will is like restored yes and so that they can begin to think about what is the justice and the legitimacy of the system because that is not a a the civil system is arranged in such a way uh, to discourage that thought. Yeah. Um, but then you could also say that, that uh, Akane's position then is in some ways a, um, a, a counter or a, a evidence that even within that system, there, there are still at least some who will also, uh, you know, even within all, because Makashima is sort of existing without the system throughout right. both the like literal and figurative stuff happening with him um akane fully within it but then is the person who has all the aptitude for everything and then is wondering about okay but which job is going to give my life purpose which kagami kind of notes as this almost old-fashioned question to have uh but she's arriving at it in this like very different way from within the system uh so at, le- at the very least she is showing that there's like that people can still have these thoughts and think about these things um, from within, from within it, and move forward from there without having to necessarily do that reset. Um, personally, yeah. I still fundamentally think that the the society has reached a degree of dehumanization and alienation <laughs> of everyone that you need to like in some way uh, break that and shake that up to to uh, have it beyond be more than uh your the Akanes of the world who will be able to ask these questions. But, yeah. Yeah, well, we're both we're both taken in by Makashima, so I think our like personal uh, <laughs> affinities are have been made clear. Uh, yeah, because I feel like I was just roaring out of roaring out the gates with like <laughs> I like Makashima. I wasn't going to say that when we started like covering this series, but that was like my strong emotion <laughs> from yeah. having watched it before. So it's really coloring. Um, <clears throat> it's coloring my my read of this um but also you know we compartmentalize that uh that like makashima is part of the show and it's not just like the 
uh, he's an element that's that's being set, uh, you know, in uh, into dialogue with these other uh, these other ideas. But yeah, I still like Makashima. I still like siding with <laughs> Makashima, uh, even though we have to acknowledge we have to say this at least once. Like his crimes are horrible. Um, we've like really glossed over that, <laughs> uh, like throughout his crimes are yeah. horrible and unconscionable. Um, but, uh, his like philosophical argumentation, um, I, I, I find myself siding with, um, yeah. And I think you, the way that you, uh, outlined it there was, was, was really, was really good. Um, yeah, because yeah, Makashima is like, if people don't have like will and like, you know, recognition and choice, like they don't have the capacity to, (laughs) to like begin to resist or like conceive of a new government. Like this just can't happen. Um, but then Akane being like an example, well, maybe it can happen. But like, is but is that only Akane as this like exceptional, you know, whatever who can have this uh, not only gain knowledge of the system uh, in order to you know actually know what she's resisting? <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, you know, th- but then to do these these other um to exercise this kind of freedom or um or whatever um in contemplation um it in practical terms it doesn't seem quite as black and white as makashima would would have it um but then i i think the more deeply you think about it um you really can't dismiss uh the the veracity of uh of makashima's um arguments because you just don't have like because they're holding true overall you know yeah and and that even uh akane's space to be exceptional and think about this is uh and you know to to have access to what the system is is specifically predicated on the judgment of the system that she will not fundamentally uh destroy it it or challenge it yeah yeah um and and that in and of itself being a limiting factor within sort of the trusting it to the economies of the world is that those are often going to be the ones that like who might have that access to that space are going to only be given it because they are uh deemed like trustworthy enough by that system uh are deemed to be not a threat um and that's sort of when you get greater access and and where there is a certain willingness to well yeah let's 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 hear about the changes you want to make let's let's hear about this like <laughs> you're not going to fundamentally destroy us so let's hear what do you what do you what what are your thoughts on this system <laughs> yeah so we can like um, incorporate this and then preempt it yeah. Uh, however, you know, that's going to happen. Um, I do want to bring in, uh, 
just just so he did it. Um, there's also like a materialist or Marxist um, approach to this problem, which I think is is reinforcing uh, uh, Makashima <laughs> in in a way. Um, yeah, even setting aside um, the like Hegelian, what what you know what I'm like terming as this kind of Hegelian problem. Uh, we also just have like the material conditions of the society, which it's a class society, right? Like the order that Akane yeah. is preserving um, is this like class-based system um, where the classes are just, you know, ordered by civil uh, according to, you know, purportedly according to aptitude um, and like the appropriateness of each person for certain occupations or whatever, um, <laughs> which, <laughs> uh, you know, it is an even stronger, uh, it's just a stronger, uh, claim to control, uh, there. Um, yeah. And so far is it saying, oh, well, this is your, you know, your destiny is to be this class. Um, some inherently this is your aptitude, um, judged by Sybil. Uh, so again, this totalitarian, uh, aspect, um, but, uh, therefore you, uh, you're locked into this class, um, and you have these conditions of, uh, of deprivation, um, you know, because of that, uh, and then, you know, we, we can extend that to the criminals, um, you know, you have to construct this class of crime, uh, and therefore people have to be to occupy it. <laughs> uh, and so you construct this class, people occupy it, uh, and then, you know, you punish them. Um, it's, uh, I found it interesting when it's noted that, um, I think Kagami notes that food shortages, like if, if Makashima succeeds and there's a shortage of yeah. food, then like the crime coefficients uh, of like across society will raise or will rise. Uh, yeah. There's this kind of acknowledgement there of like, oh yeah. So material deprivation <laughs> uh, is resulting in uh, is somehow linked to people committing crimes. Um, and then you, you know, if you follow that thread, then you go back to like, you know, crime is, is in this way constructed or influenced by, uh, you know, the regime that's existing. Um, and then, you know, so you acknowledge all that and then you kind of bring back the ethical, uh, these ethical debates that are had about, you know, what is good and evil? Um, how do you define, like, how do you define crime? How do you define good and evil? Um, so on and so forth. Uh, and I think, um, one of the sources that I, uh, uh, consulted for this and just didn't have a, an opportunity to bring in, um, but there's a, a writer named George, B., uh, George G. Brinkert, uh, and he has a, an essay called Marx's Ethics of Freedom, which is basically about, you know, what is Marx's position on, on ethics? Um, and Brinkert says, um, summarizing what he takes to be Marx's position, 
uh, only if we understand, I'm quoting now, uh, only if we understand the nature of social systems, how they can and morally should be changed, can we proceed to answer concretely moral questions of a personal and individual nature. Uh, it is this lack of attention to basic human conditions of morality, uh, which condemns moralists both to their illusions and ineffectiveness. Um, so kind of uh, addressing like Marx, uh, dismissing certain um, uh, like claims of like moral philosophers or whatever. Um, yeah. But Brinkert is basically saying like understanding the material conditions of uh, your society you know, how it's constructed uh, and how, like, your how the individual is realized within that uh, construction is itself, like, the ground. Like, you can't abstract moral questions from, you know, these, like, material conditions. Um, so then again, you know, uh, bring, bringing back to psychopaths, uh, I think this insistence on um, well, Sybil's insistence on totalitarian control, of course, uh, but then Akane's insistence on maintaining social order as the highest good uh, is, is problematic uh, from like a Marxist or a you know, Brinkert's um, read of Marx, uh, but we'll just say like a Marxist ethics. Um, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, like if, if you don't uh, understand the nature of the system, um, which of course no one seem no one does. Uh, and then, you know how it's operating. Uh, yeah. You can't begin to have, uh, you know, uh, moral, you can begin to answer, moral questions or attribute uh, and do these moral attributions, um, which uh, again, you know, is a version of uh, or a, uh, a component of Makashima's argumentation, I think from, from last episode. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I wanted to bring the, the Marxist critique in because uh, we had, we hadn't done it yet, but uh it's it's also valid here. Yeah. Um. Do you have anything else you want to get into, or, or are we about done? <laughs> uh. I think I think we got. Um, I think we hit all the main points that I wanted to to cover. Um, yeah. Um. And we've we've given us we've given ourselves a good. Uh, I think we set ourselves up well for to see what happens in the film <laughs> and to yeah. see where this goes. Uh, but I think we we've got a good uh, sense of where we end up uh, at the end of season one. Yeah, um, I guess this the one last small thing I'll I'll throw in here, um, and it's it's smaller and one of those things that like the film in particular I'm curious about. Um, because I know that uh, Gen Urobuche is also um, like more involved in the film. 
It's the reason why lots of people will say like the season one in the film, those are the, the big ones to watch. Um, I will say like, we're watching the movie next. The movie came out um, after season two. Uh, I've been told that there's like a character in it that uh, I don't know if it's the one that we just met or if there's going to be a new character entirely uh, from season two that like, we won't know that will be in the movie. Um or if it's just her and like we've you know you get more development around that girl who like shows up at the very end um that i'm not sure but like it, it is set after season two um it was made like and came out after season two or is like you know within that uh but even people like uh you know emma jackson on the great gundam project uh the project that believes at its core that you should just watch everything in release order also saying it's fine just watch season one in the movie <laughs> <laughs> um but so th- there's stuff where i'm like curious what will happen with with these characters uh but when we're sort of talking about the, especially like the choice that Hogami and makashima make um and this choice being a thing that sort of uh they're choosing some sort of uh human connection as being more important um masaoka does a, a version of that as well. Chooses mm, yes. his yeah. death and his connection to his son over being a detective. Um, and Gino is also like telling him like, do your duty as a detective, do your duty as like a police officer, uh, arrest the, the criminal and bring him in. Um, and he makes that choice, the, the connection to his son and also a connection to his son that will, will, whether he's fully aware of it in that moment or not mean his death. Uh, he's probably at least aware that it is a more dangerous or risky choice to do. Um, he is throwing himself into danger in that moment. Um, so that's a choice that he makes. And and Gino seems to be affected by it in a way where he also gets marked as a latent criminal, um, becomes less concerned about what people think of him, uh, about how he looks and things like that. And doesn't um, have any regrets, and- as he tells us. Yes. Um, and, and also... Uh, seems to be having this like you know we see him at the grave we see like the way that he's interacting with people seems to have like this so much of him throughout season one is defined as being like uh this very like stuffy shirt do it by the books like uh really cares about the system and the rules and everything um in a way that like Akane bristles against and stuff um and that final scene with him without his glasses having gone to his like father's grave and stuff is also the part where he seems the most human which gets underscored by the like you know enforcers or humans like us in that that final scene so um i think that's also like a, a key thing is that we also see these other characters having this certain um you know break or or breaking from the more system. towards that yeah yeah and nikane yeah. in her way also it does this i think um, yeah insofar as like you know she doesn't want to shut off the power to the uh to the research facility or whatever even though like not shutting off the power is this enormous risk <laughs> uh of like maybe letting makashima succeed she doesn't want to do it because kagami's you know, it'll let Kagami get in and then maybe he gets in and kills Makashima. Um, she's like, will she's like jeopardizing society, <laughs> uh, you know, in this attempt to, to save Kagami. Um, and then, you know, she, she does this in other ways as well. 
um, like negotiating for his life, um, stuff like that, where she's yeah making choices that are it may not be breaking from the system in the same way, um, but she's prioritizing, uh, you know, this this connection she has with Kagami, this relationship, and all of the all of the meaning that that has. Um, in you know, in uh, opposition, uh, or at least like maybe not opposition, but prioritizing it over uh, the demands of the system and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, Kugami likes it a little bit more passionate, likely like Yoy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's weird that, uh, well, no, it's not weird, but <laughs> I was going to make a joke that you know, maybe it's not weird that, uh, or maybe it is strange that Shion and Kogami uh, never slept together. Um, but then, you know, yeah, it's not weird because, like, they're not each other's type. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they both like it passionate, apparently. Yeah. Um. There's just some other thing. There's <laughs> not. That's not each other's type. Yeah, they just who can't quite put a finger on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's more like details that uh, we could go over and then tie it back in uh, that might like elucidate further. Um, but I think that's what what we would be doing at this point. It's kind of going back through and like picking out parts to to tie into like. The larger stuff that we've yeah. um, that we've discussed. So, um, I'm I feel good uh, closing out our discussion on that, and then yeah, continuing with the movie. Um, so that's what we'll be back in two weeks with Psychopath the movie. I'm looking forward to seeing this. This will be new for both of us. So. Um, I, now that Makashima is gone, I'm like, I, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's going <laughs> to be tough to follow. Guy. Yeah. Um, part of me is like, Kugami might just like end up back in. But like, I guess it could be a, a stand or a solid state society thing where like Kugami is like off doing his own thing. But like briefly, I feel like Kugami is still going to show up in some way. And I, I'm slightly worried about that. Oh yeah. But, Predictions um, about the movie. This is the, yeah, this is the point where we do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kugami is definitely going to be in it. Uh, yeah. I don't think Urobuchi, Urobuchi is just um, going like, to let Kugami not be in it. Yeah. But I, my, my concern is just about like, um, I don't want it to just be like, well, he's back on the force somehow, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I also know that like, even though it's, uh, Urobuchi, there's still going to be like, um, whatever season two is the season two, just have him back on the force. Like, yeah. Yeah. Questions abound around that. Well, uh, questions will be answered <laughs> because uh, that's that's we'll be watching it very soon. So yeah, um, yeah, looking forward um, to that. Uh, anyway, uh, after that, 
after that episode, we will have our question bucket episode. Um, if you have questions for us already, feel free to send them right now to ghostdiverspod at gmail.com and uh, we will we'll read them and talk through, answer stuff when we get to that episode. Um, that's ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. Uh, please support the network exportodd.io will take you to the Patreon. You can find links to a bunch of other podcasts. Um, Lem just keeps wanting to be let in and out, and I'm 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 annoyed with it at this point. <laughs> Lem's a latent criminal. Um, yeah, <laughs> Lem is a latent criminal. Orange um, cat. They're all they're all latent criminals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, civil system is de- decreed them all latent criminals. Yeah, that's an easy um, one for a civil system. That's automatic. Yeah. <laughs> Orange cat. No cymatic scan required. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah go to exportaud.io to support the patreon you'll also find links to a bunch of the podcasts there so even if you don't want to give us money um you can do that but also you should give us money uh especially if you enjoy this podcast um it, it like genuinely if you if you like the work we do uh even though there's not like a ton of ghost divers specific bonus stuff uh there's still a lot of great stuff on the podcast or on the network um and it would be great to support us so um yeah there's no bonus stuff because we just giving you every drop of blood we have on on our standard content um, what if we did the, the Nana manga podcast as, uh, Patreon only just like really make the people pay. That would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> we um, should do that. I'll think about it. Yeah. Um, one thing that you will get that's related to, to both you and I, Connor, uh, is you'll get episodes of Pondering Pluton a week early. Uh, if people listen to, uh, this podcast, Ghost Divers, and they don't listen to Pondering Pluton, um... I guess fair, but if you like the parts where we kind of goof off, like especially the part after the the ED, um, we do like more intense bits than just what we're drinking. Uh, but yeah, if you like the moments in this podcast where we're kind of joking around and goofing off, uh, that's what Bhutan is. Um, specifically a podcast for us to not have to have deep conversations about stuff all the time. Because um, I, I like you as a friend, Connor, and I don't want... As we kept doing ghost divers i was increasingly like i don't want like my only interactions with connor most of the time to be ghost let's divers. like think really hard about anime and <laughs> philosophy yeah. and <laughs> uh theory um yeah. Puton is yeah. great has been great for that yeah um because we also just also... talk about well sorry uh no it's fine we also just talk about our lives um yeah so Sometimes semi-fictionalized accounts of our lives. Sometimes, sometimes non-fictional. Um, but it's nice to just like sometimes outright outright only... lies about our lives. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's what I mean by semi-fictionalized. Uh, <laughs> lightly, uh, lightly altered. Um, but yeah, so that's nice. Uh, to be able to lie to each other about <laughs> about our lives uh, sometimes, <laughs> not just only do ghost divers. You've heard it here first, folks. Connor has never even set foot in Florida, <laughs> <laughs> except for that cruise I did once. The cruise oh, of yeah. Florida. There was that cruise. Yeah, but we didn't go on land at all. We just went around yeah. the the state on the water. 
What what if people think that I'm being serious now and that you've just lied all this time about Florida? Uh well, that would be <laughs> everyone that would be very unfortunate, I guess. Yeah. Um, um people can also listen to Ornate Stairwells. Uh, I'll just say this. Uh to move us on from this bit. <laughs> um <laughs> If you go to exportodd.io slash ornate stairwells, you get you'll get the free feed. Um it's me and my friend Autumn uh most of the time uh for the month of July and in the free feed this will like go a little bit into August. Um <clears throat> I've been joined by my friend uh M because Autumn's been taking a month off of podcasting. Um and we M and I covered uh three films in that time. Um, the first one that we covered was Sweet Home, uh, Kurosawa Kiyoshi film, uh, that was the basis of the video game that was then, like, the, the major inspiration for Resident Evil as a series. Um, and it's just, like, an incredibly pleasant B-movie. Uh, recommend it if you just, like, enjoy a, like, uh, kind of mid-horror movie for, like, all the joy that that entails. Um, it's good for that. You can easily find it for, like, free on YouTube. Um... The second one we did throw away your books rallying the streets by Terry Yamashuji, uh, which I think is a good episode. If you want to hear me talk some more about Terry Yamashuji, because somehow you haven't gotten enough of that. Um, and then the, the next one, which we haven't recorded yet, but I, it, I think it'll be out by the time people hear this episode, um, will be on basic instinct, uh, which is just one of the like all time classics for me. It's one of one of the best erotic thrillers. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Connor, but it's it's joyous. I haven't seen <clears throat> Basic Instinct, but I'm a I'm a fan of Verhoeven. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, I think it's I my favorite Verhoeven, s- but that that's also my my like love of uh, erotic thrillers is a part of that. Um, I will also say, if people want to hear more about Terry Yamashuji, uh, one, if you send like emails, ghostdiverspot at gmail.com, um, you know, that I'm sure will, will spur me if you ask me questions about it. Uh, but also when we get to that question bucket episode, I might talk about these, uh, short story collections that I have, um, that I, I recently picked up, um, that are Terry Yamashuji doing sort of myth stuff, uh, or like folk tale, fairy tale style stuff. Um, so, you know, something else to look forward to, uh, if that's something people have been enjoying. Um, the last thing that I will promo is around the long fire, uh, which is the, the normal podcast that M and I do, uh, it's at abnormalmapping.com slash long fire. Um, and with, uh, stairwells going back to, uh, autumn and I next month, um, which when you're hearing this, I, f- I forget when this episode's coming out, but might be in August. Um, uh, I'm sure, uh, around the long fire, but we'll be resuming, um, M and I read through Icelandic sagas and also talk about other shit. So, um, that's my whole spiel. Uh, you can follow the podcast at ghost divers pod on Twitter. Uh, it's just at ghost divers on co-host. I'm, I'm trying to post on there again. Um, I do not currently have a blue sky account for ghost divers. Um, maybe if things continue on and it really takes off, I will make one, but, uh, the, those invites are, they don't come quick. So, uh, I haven't made a ghost divers one yet, but, um, 
You can follow me at FoxDomnia on Twitter, co-host Blue Sky, uh, Annie List, Letterboxd, um, basically anything that I'm on, I'm, I'm on there as FoxDomnia. Um, and that's where I'll do, even if I have other accounts like the Ghost Divers Pod account on Twitter, I still retweet them on that. So if you want to follow all of my work, just follow that main account and you'll, you'll get everything. Um, where can people follow you, Connor? Y'all can follow me at Rebelay, <clears throat> R-E-B-B-L-E-A-S, on Twitter and co-host. Um, and that's it. Yeah. We made it. We made it to the end. We made it. Great, great show. And hopefully a great movie coming up. But yeah. I guess we'll see. Um, and now it's time for me to kill you. Well, this is the only conclusion that this relationship would ever take. I hope... I hope you'll never I hope you never find a replacement for me. Uh yeah, I hope not. Bye. Bye.
always forget that you record in darkness. <laughs> I've moderated it a little bit, so I have one light, but uh, mm. two lights is too many. Yeah. <laughs> How's my mic the sound, lighting- by the way? Uh, sounds fine. Okay, good. Because I just... I was worried that the settings might have gotten messed up, but I, I think they're fine. Yeah. I, mean, I think... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think... Because mine had gone up, but I think the setting it's at now is fine. I might turn it down a little bit, so sorry to people listening to this if it was a little loud. Uh, but I might turn it down even a little more. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think this will be good. The blah, blah, blah. I'm still bad. getting some... Yeah, I'm still getting some, like, decent... I'm turning it down specifically on... I wonder if what happened... I'm not going to mess with it now. No, it was this. Because it was up really high. Something happened in Audacity where it, where it moved where it was at. Mm. Where it was, like, kind of yeah. hot. But um, And I turned that down at the time, but I'm double-checking it now. Yeah, my mic in Audacity is, like, maxed out. Because we had the opposite um, problem with mine, where it was too quiet. At least yeah, when I, I got mean, my I could, new one. one I can I always, now. I can always, um, I can always like correct, but yeah, as long as your waveforms are not really bad, like as long as you're not like peeking out above, like, you know, you can see that little level. If it's like going to like negative 12 or negative six, you're fine. It's really, you don't want it like going up and hitting, um, zero or going over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, let's see. You don't want it going above negative 12, you said? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to like negative 18 when I'm talking loudly. Yeah, that's fine too. Okay. Um, it's still doing the like adjusting. I'm going to... Is there a way... Maybe this is a thing that just has been slowly happening over time and I haven't noticed it. Um. I don't know if Audacity is going to let me open preferences right now. I'll just keep an eye on it during recording, but <clears throat> it's still too loud. No, yeah, I saw it like change itself slightly. Mm. And I think there's a way to adjust that, but I don't know if I can do it while I'm recording. Doesn't sound like the type of thing it should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> I want it to just stay at what I put it at. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Normally with settings, that's, that's kind of what yeah. you want. <coughs> um, I did peek it out a little bit there with that cough, but that's fine. The cough's fine. We should do a time that is clap before we get any further into this. Yeah. Let's do it uh, at exactly 10 p.m. Or 9 p.m. for you. Oh, that's going to be oh, like, wait, no, quite a wait. What the hell am I doing? It's way too long. Let's do it at 35. Okay. I like the spirit of that, but... Yeah. We'll just sit in silence for 40 seconds. I feel like you were like slightly extra delayed, but it's probably fine. Let's do, we'll do one more. I didn't feel okay. good either. Uh, now should we just do one at, at exactly? T- yes. At 10 PM. Okay. 9 PM my time. Yeah. 10 PM real time. <laughs> 9 PM your time. Okay. That for me, that was simultaneous. So I'm just going to say that. That it was good. Okay. Without any further analysis. Um, I have two things for drink check. Okay. Uh, do you want me to do drink first, or do you want me to do the wild card? (laughs) 
<laughs> the wild card isn't a drink. Correct. Oh, okay. Uh, drink, drink first. Okay. Um, by the time people hear this, they will have heard our actual episode, where I'm sure I will talk about this more. Uh, but there, I I was after like all of the like thoughts I had, you know, like uh, theoretical thoughts, like um, intellectual thoughts that I had with the series. Uh, uh-huh. I got to the end and I just had like a deeply emotional response um, that I think I could still tie into some of the other thoughts that I had. Like it's specifically around stuff that I was talking about Makashima, but I think that the, the ending was deeply moving with this, like um, in this moment of like Makashima's death, this like intense connection with another person. This like one thing that he's like always wanted yeah. this thing that he's always sought that he's like, that it, and it is like fundamentally lacking in some ways from the society that exists. And especially for Makashima. Um, but uh, I was so moved by that theme that in, in, or that scene that in theming a, a drink uh, for the drink check, um, I couldn't just do some sort of like cheeky. I made a cocktail that's like, um, you know, the <clears throat> asymptomatically. Even yeah. Just um, a harsher, even harsher than it. I feel like that's been the trend so far. Yeah. And so uh, one for the, the grain fields, um, I have an Oberon ale, which is a, a wheat ale from, uh, it's like the, you know, around where my, my parents and my, uh, brother currently lives. Um, I just opened it up. Um, and it's like a, a weedy ale. Um, and it, it's really themed. Like they have like the, you know, it's Oberon. They have like the sun logo on the can. Um, so there is this sort of like, uh, sun vibe there, you know, it's like mm-hmm. during the sunset when he dies and then they're like fur- further get the sunset. Um, I want to make a Boulevardier cause I wanted to at least keep the whiskey. Uh, so Boulevardier people don't know are, uh, it's whiskey, uh, Campari and then, uh, normally sweet vermouth, but I realized that I was out of sweet vermouth and I didn't really have time to go to the store to get some. So I replaced it with Saskatoon liqueur. Um, and it's pretty good, but it's sort of like a, it has like that sunset color, you know? Oh, that's pretty. Or um, I, I guess I don't know. I'm not looking at it. Yeah, I'm imagining it. Um, you I should document. You, know. you should document this one as well. In, in I don't know if form. you're familiar with with uh, Saskatoon, the the berry. Uh, um, not at all. Um. So it is, I think, like uh native to North America and in particular sort of like um the I think more of it is like getting up into Canada and sort of the the western part like uh you go to like you know Oregon um and uh Washington and then like some of the other states sort of going over uh, I think well, there's like a little bit of like Wisconsin that's included. When you said Saskatoon, um, I immediately thought Saskatchewan, and then I was like, "Yeah, no, that's not the same thing. It's Saskatchewan. Um, that's not related." <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think it even like the the region goes up a little bit into like some parts of uh, Alaska and stuff. But I know it like goes over to Wisconsin, so it's like a, I the the liqueur that I got was from Wisconsin, um, but. Uh, yeah, and it it's a sort of a, a berry, but it has like a 
It's almost like Appley in quality. <clears throat> okay, um, so there there is a for some reason there is a city in Saskatchewan named Saskatoon. Okay. Sorry, go go on yeah. though. <laughs> um Yeah, it's it's kind of I describe it as being like kind of like an apple, but like maybe a little bit nuttier, if that makes sense. Um like when you say a bit nuttier, that implies that an apple is nutty at all to begin with. <laughs> which I don't think it is. So it's well, like it's like an you... apple, but it's nutty. Yeah. But a bit nutty. Just a bit nutty, okay. It... Yeah. That might be that might be pedantic, but I just I'm, I'm trying to understand the the flavor as you're describing yeah. it to me. Um I wanted to make sure that there wasn't like a nutty characteristic in in apples that I uh yeah not had over really. had overlooked. <laughs> okay. Um it's kind of like uh if you're like eating apples and almonds together and like kind of the flavor mix that would happen. Mm-hmm. But like it would specifically be like you would eat you'd eaten some almonds and then you ate the apples. So you're mostly getting more of that apple-y part. But Okay. Um yeah, so the the nutty is is the more subdued part of the uh, yeah the flavor profile. Yeah, I'm looking. They, at they the... look like blueberries, but they're like I think they are related to apples. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article right now, and then the other part is this is just a bonus. Um, this is not at all related to the anime. Is uh, the, but Emily is the liquor blue, or is it like um. A... No, it's it's more of a like slightly yellowish tannish color. Um, okay. Let's see if I can get a good. Photo of this because they do look um, exactly like blueberries, at least from the yeah. photo that I was just looking at. But it's like it's like more the skin of it. So the thing is, Emily went grocery shopping today and just randomly got me a Lay's wavy. Cuban sandwich. Is <laughs> <laughs> so that's the wild card. Yeah. So the the package um, includes. Sorry for all the crinkling into the mic, but it's kind of impossible. Uh, it has words like ham, nice and toasty, pickle, hot or cold, pressed way down, uh, written all over it. It says all that on the package. Yeah. That's <laughs> like sort of a like a, a like background design. Oh yeah. Just like little phrases jumping out at you. Yeah. Anyway, here's one. I was expecting to like smell a little bit of the pickle. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be like sort of as, uh, acidic. But I, it mostly smells like ham. Yeah, that's problematic. Normally they do a pretty good job of getting pickle flavor into chips when they yeah. when they try to do it. Well, that was the smell. In terms of the flavor, I do get a little bit of pickle. I definitely get the mustard, um, mm-hmm. which I also think is like a, a classic part of a Cuban. Um, and then there is like a little bit of the... Is it cheesy I would at say all? The ham, I would say the ham and cheese is like... Uh, the cheese is the least present. And then the ham... It's like cheese is at the like least present, then ham... Um, then pickle and then mustard in terms of like when I'm eating it. Gotcha. The part of the package that I don't understand is the hot and cold or the hot or cold. I don't know what that's describing. 
I assume that's like describing that you can eat the sandwich hot or cold, not the chips. Yeah, it w that was my first assumption too. But then, like, why? What? Because the other. How thing does that relate to the chips at all? Then, at that point. The other, the other <laughs> thing that confuses me is the pressed way down because it's not like they're like pressing the chips down that would just break them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess they are both operating in the same register, which is like, this is not, this information is not related to the chips at all. This is just like evoking the image of the the sandwich for you to like entice yeah. you to eat the chips. But then again, like pressed way down works because mm -hmm. then you're like visualizing the sandwich being pressed way down. That's like an appealing also, quality. That's an immediate like sensory thing. But yeah. like hot or cold, that's an option. Like that's not evoking uh like now, an enticing image of a sandwich to me. Yeah. That's just an they option. Have like an, they have a picture of the image of the, like an image of the sandwich, um, that's like a cross section. Uh that's like one one half is stacked on top of the other half. Um, and I will say I, it is a nice touch that they did like for this sandwich, the, the panini press that does the, that has like the lines, you know, like the grill oh, the lines. Griddle, yeah. Um, so that when you see the top of the bread, uh, and like the bottom, you get that little wave. That's nice. Mm. Since it's the wavy chips, you know, I'm a big fan it's of a good touch. Cuban sandwiches. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a pretty good chip. I like there are some of those chips where they're they're doing some sort of like, you know, wacky flavor or whatever. This one works. Um, the meat flavored not... chips can be really hit or miss. Yeah. In fact, I don't I don't think I've ever had one that I've really liked. Um, I think the having the mustard and the the uh, pickle flavor a little bit more at the top of the flavor that's like hitting your tongue helps with the, the like meaty chip mm. quality. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's not going to replace like uh barbecue chips or, um, you know, all dressed if you're in Canada or like, uh, sour cream and onion. Oh yeah. Like all dressed sour is, cream, cheddar, all dressed is like the those. Shit. Yeah. Catch up. Like the chips thing that well. the thing that's always weird about these chips is that I just don't think of them as good accompanies to something. Like they're a nice like snack in and of themselves, but part of the like having a chip to me is I've like made a sandwich and I have some chips on the side. Yeah, you and can't I want, eat like, sandwich flavored chips with a sandwich. That's fucking yeah. deranged. <laughs> I want chips that like will somehow complement the sandwich, ideally, you know? Um, yeah, that's, yeah, Th those chips, I mean, maybe they did, maybe they pulled it off, but, um, that's never going to be like a top tier chip. That's a yeah. novelty chip. Yeah. I but in terms it. of novelty chips, this is, this is a, a, this is one I would have again. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, yeah. I like to. Uh, I'm gonna have a couple more, and then you can, while you do your drink check. But. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll let you do that. Um, so my drink check, it's the same. Uh, I'm just sticking with my. Well, part of this is I. Really, the only time I drink beer at home, is. 
when the small percentage of ghost divers recording time when I'm doing an alcoholic drink check uh, or alcoholic drink. So I've got a shitload of this uh, mad tree psychopathy beer in my fridge. Uh, so I'm, I'm staying with that uh, out of practical concerns, but also because it's still, uh, it's still thematic. Um, maybe at the halfway point, I will go and get uh, the other beer that I have in my fridge that's even older uh, <laughs> because, once again, I never drink beer at home. Uh, and that is Rheingeist Truth. Uh, so if it's feeling like halfway through, if we're feeling like we're really getting uh, getting to the true nature of, of some things in, uh, in the psychopath's world, uh, yeah. or the true nature of some of these characters. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll grab my truth. So then uh, we can start with psychopathy, but then somewhere within that psychopathy is some sort of, some sort of truth. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> that's my ambition. We'll see if we get there. Uh, secondarily for practical con- uh, reasons, I have a long tea because I need caffeine. Yeah. Uh, so there's that that's in my PBR cup, which I discussed last time, I think. And then I've got water in my, uh, green plastic cup with the bubbles. Keep pretty tight yeah. cup rotation at, at our household. Uh, in the, uh, mad tree, the psychopathy is out of the can. I will say it, it's okay. growing on me. Uh, you know, yeah. I didn't really like it that much when we first, yeah. but the more I think about, the more I watch these criminals and think about their motivations, the more the psychopathy becomes appealing and uh, sensible to me really understand the yeah. flavors much better. Uh, and, and like why, why it is the way it is. So, um, yeah. So this is my, my final go around with that. And I'm, uh, I'm gonna do my best to to enjoy it fully. Uh, actually, it won't be the final because we have a, a movie to watch. Yeah, maybe I'll just drink the remaining like seven of them. <laughs> when our, uh, or however many That's... I get through on the movie episode, and then all the rest on the um, question bucket. <laughs> Seems like a lot. <laughs> did it uh, not come in a six pack? <laughs> it didn't. However many I got was because that was the smallest amount. I could get. Yeah. Uh, and there was just no way. It, this was like definitely the correct beer for, for this show. Uh, amongst the available options, at least. So, yeah. I took the plunge and I've got like 15% of our fridge space is just taken up by beer that no one's going to drink ever. And, but I, doesn't feel right to just dump it all out. Some kind of yeah. caught in this, uh, caught in this conundrum. Uh, so anyway, yeah, maybe I'll just, I'll just clear out all the beer on the question bucket. <laughs> yeah, I'll just bring them all up here, and I'll open all of them <laughs> right at the start of the question bucket. So there's no going back, and then. Uh, however this many like I a drink. terrible idea. Yeah. 
Well, I don't have to drink all of them. I just have to open all of them and, yeah. and I'm committing to them. And then like whatever happens, happens. And at the end, I dump them out. It's a clean um, break after that. And then we move on to Nana. Yeah. Um, I am uh, legally obligated to say that you shouldn't do that. Uh, but also, I, I have no control over your actions. Yeah, well, you know, laws are important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, they may even have some deeper meaning that uh, that is revealed upon uh, further further thought. Um, but, yeah, I'm... That would be a, uh, if I did that, it would be a big problem because nowadays I drink like, because I don't drink very often. If I drink one beer, I'm like, I have a little bit of a buzz. If I drink two beers, I'm like, I feel intoxicated. (laughs) Uh, So if I went, you know, if I drink many more than that, we we would not complete the, the podcast. Yeah, I I recommend we complete the podcast. Yeah, no, normally we try and do that. Uh, so anyway, that's my drink check. Okay. Um, so shall we just get into the episode? Yeah. Um, how do you want to break it up? Three and three. Um, we could, or or we could just go through all of it. I I'll leave it up to you. What feels good to you? Do we want to just get to the end and do it yeah, all? Yeah, fuck it. Let's just go through all of it. Yeah. Let's just do it all. Okay. Um, all right, I'll start the podcast. I I want to like approach this from from a slightly different uh angle for a minute. Uh, because I think um, there's more. Would you be willing to do a body break first? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's do body break. Okay. I just have to pee very bad. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Me too. Okay, I'm back. Uh, I'm back. Okay. Cool. Hi, back. I'm here. (laughs) I'm going to just get back into it. Yeah. Uh, You ready? Yeah.